Hello, ghosties. Welcome back to Ghost Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Willow. And I'm your host, Alyssa of Larusa Mystic. And today we're going to talk about divination, divination methods. Although it is a beginner topic, it is actually a very helpful one that we think should be discussed so that you can feel more confident in finding ways to communicate with spirit through a method that works for you. Before we start, we want to remind you that everyone has different views on things, and that's okay. We don't ask you to believe what we do. We just want to share what we found in our personal path with others. And for those interested in booking a session or learning more about me or Alyssa, check out our websites in the description below. And we also want to mention that what we won't be covering is divination methods that we know to be from closed practices. Yeah, don't okay, want to so, educate on things we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, or shouldn't anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sure. you'll notice that we called you ghosties. So that's a yes, thing. We've yes. decided you are all honorary ghosties. <laughs> yes, it's. I mean, it's the name that it's the term that the podcast was named after. So I feel like it ghosties. just makes sense. Ghosties. To have them be a little ghosties. Yeah, so, so now you're the ghosties. Yeah, you're the ghosties of the ghost tea. <laughs> and so listen, like we have all, you know, of course we have a list of topics that we, we are excited a, to. We always have such a list. <laughs> Dude, like we add to it all we the time. We always write novels. <laughs> this is true. But here's the thing with divination methods is, yes, it's a beginner topic in a sense. Like I, I put, I'm, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me when I'm doing air quotes. It's a beginner topic, but it also kind of isn't because yeah. the thing about divination methods is that is something that if you're going to go down a spiritual path, you're probably going to bump into that. And especially if you're going to be a witch, you are most yeah. definitely going to bump into divination and divination methods. However, yeah. the practice of divination and becoming very well-rounded in a specific type of divination can take years of mastery. Um, mm -hmm. So while it is beginner in terms of understanding what might be out there, it doesn't mean that once you have decided that you are a tarot reader, for example, that the learning stops there. So right, right. it is and it isn't beginner. Yeah, there's there's so much to learn about every single type of divination and everybody's going to find a method that works best for them. And if you are trying to learn everything, like this is a long list. Like before yeah. we get into this, this is a long list. Mm -hmm. And more than half of these I probably have not utilized myself. Same. And that doesn't mean that you're not skilled in divination. I think skill should be based on how comfortable you feel with something and how accurate you find it to be for you rather mm -hmm. than how many different methods you use. Because mm -hmm. you can say, oh, well, I know all these different, you know, types of divination, but like if you don't know them well, then how well are they serving you? It's nice to have a bunch of different skill sets, but you don't have to be a master in any of them to really have them be useful to you, but you're going to get more out of it and connect more to one if you allow it to be something that you focus on. So mm -hmm. there's always going to be a, a divination method that is just kind of everybody's go-to and those tend to be the popular ones, you know, mm -hmm. card readings and stuff. But mm -hmm. I think that it's important for us to mention a bunch of different divination methods and what they are so that you can do the research on your own to find one that you might have not known about or 
have been doing but just didn't have a name for because I think that can give a, a better clear pathway towards learning more about you and your practice. And I think that's really important. I agree. And so, you know, me as usual, I'm always going to be like, well, let's break it down into smaller mm-hmm. parts first. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out the what's practical the practical one. <laughs> the practical. <laughs> we need to, you know, when we're talking about divination, well, what the hell is divination? So here's a definition of div- divination that Ariel and I are going to go with for this podcast. And it is the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. So here's the thing about divination. In general, it's about gathering spiritual insight and answers through purposeful intention. So when we are talking about the various different divination methods in this particular episode, just know it's not comprehensive. There's way more out there and there's probably more than maybe, you know, easily Google, Google Googleable, (laughs) Googleable within like the first three pages of Google. Googleomancy. Dude. Oh my God. How that could be a thing. You can literally make divination out of like whatever the hell, like, (laughs) but I I do want to say that the majority of the divination methods that have been identified here are are popular ones. First of all, they're popular ones. They're ones that we were already familiar with, or Mm -hmm. they're ones that come from, you know, ancient, like they're ancient methods. So, um, you know, for me, we all know I'm the Hellenic polytheist. So I, I'm very, very interested in divination methods from ancient Greece and antiquity. And so there's a number of them that originate from those times. Um, but there's also some that originate from other areas and different cultures as well, um, to the best of our, to our knowledge are not closed. So there will be some, like there were some like that that I put on there and I was like, oh, I don't know, I've never tried that. Didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> Literally, when we get to it, you dude when we get to the one that particularly was like like I started freaking out I was like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I didn't know this was a thing you will know well and there's ones on there too that we had whole discussions on before we even started this episode because Mm -hmm. we were like wait we have to define better like break down what this is and how to explain it because (laughs) there's certain ones that you'll be like wait aren't those the same as you know Mm -hmm. so and so and we're trying to make it to where it's clear that they're different Mm-hmm. But we want to explain how they're different because mm-hmm. I think that helps to kind of understand. It's it's so funny because I was talking to Alyssa the other day and we realized she is very much the straightforward and practical explanator of things. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Explanator? It's going to be now. <laughs> Someone who's ex- explained things in a very straightforward and like just practical way. And which I think is funny because you're a Leo Mercury. So like. It makes sense, but it mm-hmm. also is funny. And then I'm a Pisces Mercury, so I explain everything through metaphors. God, you're so good at metaphors. So, I say it all the time about Ariel. I'm like, she's a metaphor queen. She has a way. That's what my mom calls me too. Dude, you have a way of describing complicated, complex concepts in a way that makes sense, but not just in like, you know, sort of layman's terms, but in ways that invoke a visual or conceptual mm-hmm. aid through the use it's of metaphor. It's so important because I'm such a visual person. Seasies, and growing which is up, weird that I'm not up, a good metaphor yeah. person. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, you're going to have certain ways of speaking and like society mm-hmm. too sometimes shapes the way that we talk and how we explain things. True but too. in in a lot of ways, I had to adapt the way to explain things to myself that way. 
mm-hmm. because when people would explain to me really complex topics, I would be like, I don't understand this at all. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about, Larry? And then I would have Larry. to like create it into a metaphor for me to understand and then explain it back to them. And then they could confirm whether or not that was accurate. So I want to make information accessible as possible to people. And because I'm a visual person, I need something that invokes vision in order mm-hmm. to understand it. Yeah, that's that's a little tiny rabbit trail, a little, little bun bun trail. Little but bun bun trail. <laughs> a little bun bun trail. <laughs> as we mentioned, divination is purposeful. Divination is where you are indeed seeking. And or you're for or you like you're seeking to discover hidden knowledge. It is the order of seeking through mm-hmm. certain methods. Yeah, you're that... discovering hidden knowledge, usually by the interpretation. Discovering hidden things. <laughs> discovering <laughs> hidden knowledge, yes. Okay, so the way that we're gonna do this is we are going to first just kind of quickly go over some of the divination methods that aren't as popular today, at least from our Mm. perspective, aren't as popular today, but they still exist and are still available to be learned about. And once we get through those, then we're going to kind of dive into a little bit more of the popular ones. So Ariel and I are just going to mention the name of what it is and what it is. (laughs) So we'll start off first with Cletonism. So this is interpreting things that you hear to be significant. So this is very much based off of chance. So Cletonism was popular among the ancient Greeks. And an example of this is in Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus hears thunder after asking for a sign and takes it as mark of approval from Zeus, plus the chance of a servant woman next to where he was that was saying something to Zeus to the effect of the message that Odysseus was looking to hear was an example of this divination method. So I'm going to use a more modern example. So let's say you're walking along and you are asking, you're just kind of like putting it out there. You're like, I'm wondering if there is a God out there that wants to work with me and you hear the the deity's name. So let's say you're just walking, like Ariel and I are walking down the streets of LA or wherever <laughs> the fuck, walking down the streets of LA. And I say to Ariel, I'm really wondering if there's a deity reaching out to me. And then some passerby is just says, oh, yeah, so I was reading about Zeus. And nah, 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 nah. and yeah. that would be an example of this particular divination method. Right. Or on the flip side, it could be a little more pointed than that. So if you, instead of hearing the actual name or you just pick out of conversation from from where you're walking, like, you know how, like, you just tune in and out to, like, certain mm-hmm. things and you just happen to tune into a conversation and you just hear very clearly somebody say the word yes or something along right, those lines. Right. Um, so that would be completely by chance. And that is, uh, that is Cletonism. And I had never known that that had a name. It's Me neither. Again, it's these things that we, we do or we have had happen, but just mm-hmm. don't have really a name for it. Yeah. Um, Another form of divination that I actually didn't know about really until I had the Oracle of the Mermaids cards because it mentions it in there is conchomancy, which is the interpretation or divination using shells. Um, So it's kind of similar to like if you were to use like a charm set, you have certain meanings for certain shells. Um, I'm I'm sure that there are specific meanings for certain shells based on, you know, the usage and the animal and things like that attached 
to them. But this is still something that uh, I see a lot with people who worship um, sea deities and water deities and things like that. So that is another divination method. Yeah. And then here's the one that blew my mind. It's called Bellomancy or Bolomancy, which is the ancient art of divination by use of arrows. Oh, so I for think those that's who don't know, so cool. Oh, dude. So there's a couple ways that they did this. And that used, well, I mean, you can still do it today. Um, so for those who don't know, I am an archer and I am like, you know, it, it usually as it, as it goes, because it's such a technical sport, I decided recently that I was going to get more involved and really, really start working on my archery skills, my target archery skills. And one of the things I noticed, which is so funny, one of the things I noticed is sometimes things just happen. <laughs> like the arrow still goes where you want, but sometimes, you know, if, you know, if you're pulling your arm back a certain way, it just causes the arrow to, to go sideways or like have a huge arch when you don't mean it to. And yeah. I remember really taking note of that. And I was like, huh, I really like, I'm sure it was probably my fault, but in any way, you know, there's, that was one where I was like, okay, I'm totally going to use this. And I wouldn't even have thought so there's a couple ways that they used to do this with arrows is it used to be how long it would be in the sky and where it landed and then another thing is you would have arrows placed in like you could put them like in a box or some shit like that like kind of similar to like drawing straws in a sense where it's like you just kind of reach in and you grab an arrow and you read that arrow so it could be that your arrow mm-hmm. has different colored fletchings and yeah. if the fletching colors might have a specific meaning to you. And then it just turns out that you reach in and you grab an arrow that has green fletchings that could huh. signify something to you. Yeah. That's really neat. I love Isn't that. I, I thought it was that so cool. I was thing. like, oh my God. You're like, I'm going to use this. <laughs> We're gonna do this. You're coming home with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying you dinner and taking you home. Uh, another divination method that is really interesting is called scapulomancy. So it's also called omoplatoscopy or spiel bone reading, which is the use of scapulae or spiel blo- bones, which is actually shoulder blades. So it would be often used shoulder blades or the scapulae of uh, livestock. Interesting. And you would just read the so shape just of the randomly bone. randomly go up to a cow and be like, I'm going to read you now. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 like palmistry um, re- shoulder reads for cows like what's happening um, i've never heard of this so i'm just like no, i don't know it's works. it's divination by observation of a shoulder blade that's typically oh, blotched oh, or cracked okay. from a fire <laughs> yeah oh oh in a fire okay okay yeah 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 so, i thought people so... were just walking up to cows and be like let me touch your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> Good job, cow. I, no, it's literally where it's like, okay, so if you if you Google the, like scapulomancy or omoplatoscopy or how, however you want to say it, um, there's like examples of diagrams of caribou shoulders, shoulder blades with burnt markings. Oh, and then that can have different meanings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So another divination method would be graphology, which is divining using handwriting. So like looking at the natural handwriting styles of a person and kind of 
picking up information intuitively about their character, their temperaments, and their abilities. You could, I guess, say in a way that this is similar to handwriting analysis, which is commonly used within forensic uh, psychology to help understand um, patterns within people's handwriting. So I don't know for sure that it would be specifically connected to that, but that's what it makes me think of. And I think that's really interesting that that's actually a divination method because I didn't know. Yeah, it's super cool. I love it. I'm most interested in looking into that further, I think, just as a curiosity. Mm -hmm. So another form of divination that we have is called xylomancy. And this is divination by means of reading charred or burnt pieces of wood. So specifically, this is different than than pyromancy, which we will get into. So this is specifically by reading the charred or burned pieces of wood, not necessarily the flame itself. You know what it makes me think of? What? It makes me think of Jesus toast. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Nancy. Yeah. (laughs) Toast of Nancy. Divination by means of reading toast. (laughs) Baked goods. Oh, I would fucking practice that kind of divination. You know what? There's you could make that. Like yeah, you, you could, could. It, here's a the thing about percent. fucking divination, man. It you can be anything. Anything. Like you could you could read the dust on yeah. your fucking dresser if yeah. you wanted to. Like yeah. honestly, it's it, it's it's there's literally it feels like to me the sky's the limit and even that is a form of divination too. Mm-hmm. Another form of divination is Bibliomancy, which is foretelling the future by interpreting a random chosen passage from a book. Specifically, it's usually referring to the Bible. So it's usually talking about referencing that book. And I think that's part of why it's called Bibliomancy, but it can be any book. You commonly see this with people just kind of taking a random book and being like, what is a message that I need to hear right now? You just flip to a random page, point, and then that is your message. Um, so that would be a way to practice bibliomancy. So uh, we have a, another couple divination methods as an example under the kind of overarch of weather slash animals. I'm not going to talk about all the different ones that exist because there are many. Um, so the first example is aeromancy, which is the practice of using thunder, lightning, rain, Uh, wind, whatever you choose, like literally what's in the sky. And then you can kind of get more granular. So if you really want to use a specific type, such as brontomancy, which is from the Greek word bronto, which is the word for thunder, it is the art and practice of divination by assessing, by the assessment of the characteristics of the sound of thunder. And in addition, we also have nephomancy. So N-E-P-H-O-mancy is a method of divination that involves seeing shapes in the clouds and then interpreting those shapes as being signs or symbols, which are of spiritual significance. And then, of course, this is a, a relatively popular one as far as learning about divination methods from antiquity is augury, which is from the ancient Roman religion of interpreting omens from the observed behavior of birds which is super cool. So that's augury. So that's just a couple examples of weather and animals. There's more that exists, but it kind of gives you a sense of really like, like I was saying, like sky's the limit. Not really, because you can read the sky. So there's another form of divination that has to do with hands, which I love because I'm fucking obsessed with hands, but like just stupid amounts. And it's called chirognomy. 
and it is a form of hand divination by reading someone's personality based on their hand shape and their fingers. So there's commonly four different ways uh, of interpreting them. So like the certain length of someone's fingers compared to their palms can show whether or not someone has a earth hand or an air hand or a water hand or a fire hand. And each one is going to have different um, characteristics and different meanings of what that person is going to be affinity towards and things like that. Super, super interesting. I used to um, study it a little bit when I was younger when I was a youngin and my mom got me a palmistry book and it included that in it and I was reading my whole family's hands I was just like oh my god you have a fire hand and then there's chiromancy or palmistry which is specifically reading the palms or the underside of the hand and that also includes like there within palmistry there's certain planetary references as well which I always thought was really cool so there's certain ways that you can wear rings or have tattoos placed on your hands that will better assist you in your path in life utilizing palmistry. So um, I would love to get back into studying it. It's been a long time, but it's one that I've always found quite fascinating. Yeah, that's super interesting. I'm not, I haven't really, you know, dived into palmistry, although it has been thrown in my face a number of times where it's like, here, learn about this. And I'm like, <laughs> but yeah. I think maybe I'll give it a try one day. I've never really been super interested in the lines on people's hands. And I've kind of always felt like it was a little gimmicky, but maybe I'll give it a proper yeah. try. Well, I think there's certain, there's a lot of ways that it can be kind of reaching. I think that mm. there, it's really easy with pop culture palmistry right. to have it be really generic. And yeah. I, I think true palmistry uh, and really understanding it is so much more interesting than them just being like, hey, if you have these markings on your hands, then you might be this. Whereas um, actually having a palm reader actually look at the mm. lines on your hands, I think it's just more useful than just being like, I have witches lines. Cause sometimes oh my God. we don't, so sometimes what that. we say is not what a palm reader will see because sometimes oh God, we're seeing nuts. it not the way that it's meant to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, or it's just and, singular instead of read as a whole story. Right. It's just like one small piece. And then it's like, you have, you know, the power of reading people's minds because you have three lines next to your thumb and it's like, oh, fuck right off. And like, it, it it's just, it, it, it gives me so much rage in the same way that people on TikTok who do, if these, if you do these five things, then you're a witch. And it's like, mm, if you hear mm -hmm. ringing in your ears or if you breathe heavy or some shit, you know, like I'm, I'm obviously I'm poking fun <laughs> because I'm trying to make the point that it's like, right. you just take this generic bullshit and you're like, if you do this, then this. And it's just like, ooh, ooh it's just so like clickbaity, gimmicky. Yeah. It drives yeah. me nuts. And I think that's why I've been mostly turned off by palmistry instead of really getting into the culture of palmistry and the origins and the deep meaning behind it so i'm making a mental note to give it a try okay so this is one that um ariel just mentioned that i forgot even existed is called muscle testing so muscle testing is also called applied kinesiology and plain kinesiology is the study of anatomy physiology and the mechanics of body movement particularly in, in humans you can also do 
animal kinesiology, but anyway, applied kinesiology, however, is defined as the, the is, is complementary. So it's various forms of muscle testing to identify imbalances in the body's structural, chemical, emotional, and spiritual energies. So in these tests, you can establish your body's priority healing needs, evaluate the changes in energy flows that result from therapeutic procedures, but it's also something that you can use as a form of divination where you can pay attention to how your body reacts to a question that you are seeking an answer for, which mm-hmm. is super, super interesting. And the one that came yeah. to mind when Ariel brought it up was specifically where you, let's say you'd be sitting like <clears throat> you'd be sitting on the floor with like whatever your legs crossed. You ask a question either to like, you know, your higher self or, or whatever. You just kind of ask a general question that you're seeking guidance on and you pay attention to if your body automatically starts to kind of lean back a little bit. Right. It's like that, that is giving you an answer. Yeah. Like you can do it when you're standing or when you're sitting. Um, mm-hmm. The way that I, I show it as an example on like live streams and stuff is showing people from the side, because that's when you're going to see it the most uh, mm-hmm. as someone observing is standing and just ask, like saying a statement. So mm-hmm. saying like, my name is Ariel. And then I lean forward as a yes, because I'm leaning into that answer. Um, whereas if I say I'm, you know, I was born in England, I'm going to lean backwards as a no or a negative response to that statement. So typically, uh, in my understanding of it, when I've talked to friends who practice it, is they use statements rather than questions as to get a more definite answer. Because if you're like with tarot, it's more interpretive in the sense of little details of of what's Mm -hmm. going on. Whereas it's kind of more of a yes or no um, divination method because it's like you can have maybes, I'm sure, but um, typically they would use like statements rather than questions as a way to get answers because it gives your body more of a visceral response um, as a yes or no. So would you then recommend to people if they wanted to try um, muscle testing as a divination method to record themselves? Yeah, well, you can watch it. Yeah, you can record yourself or you can just feel where your body is moving because it's pretty, to me, it's pretty significant. Like I'll, I'll visibly, but also like viscerally like move forward. Like you can feel your body leaning forward or leaning backwards. Sometimes it's a point where you're like stumbling backwards or something, but it is a really easy method to use. And it's not really talked about. I I don't really know Mm -hmm. why. Um, I have seen it mentioned on like TikTok a couple of times, but not nearly to the degree that I thought that it would be. And it's so simple because you're always with your body, you know, and your body knows and is connected more to your higher self, I think, than our cognitive mind sometimes is. And so I think it's a really nice way to, um, to do divination in that sense. (gasps) I just had a brilliant idea. You could try it while going grocery shopping. You could try it. You could ask your higher self, is this going to be a good food for me or not? Oh, and have your body response. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can. That, is that would so be a cool. really so, interesting thing to try. Like trying I, I that and try then it seeing as somebody... whether or not the foods like bother yeah. you or not. Exactly. Like if they like feel especially, better. 
as somebody who has allergic reactions to foods that even mm-hmm. specialists have not been able to figure out because there's just too many, yeah. there's just too fucking many. And you, there, there's so many random things that could be in foods. I know that I have reactions to specific foods. I just don't know which ones yet. So this will be an interesting thing to try. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Super obviously neat. don't, don't use yeah, it as a way yeah, to it's not test a for allergies, but like yet. in the sense of like maybe trying, um, trying to see what your body is wanting yeah. rather than what you're cognitively wanting. Right. I think that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Now I'm fascinated. Now you have to <laughs> please make a, a TikTok video about it because I want to be oh, part I of will. the ride. I want to be will. part of the experience. Okay. I'm actually <laughs> going to write this shit down because I seriously <laughs> want to do it. Okay. So now we're going to get into the more uh, well-known, more popular types of divination, and we're going to work our way from popular to most popular. <laughs> yeah. So we have, so remember how I was talking about earlier xylomancy, which is divination by means of reading charred or burned pieces of wood. We have pyromancy, which is reading flames. So the most common form of pyromancy is obviously using candles. They are the most accessible to practitioners and to witches. Um, but you can also use campfires, bonfires. You could even use a lighter fire because even that, even though that's more controlled, I think it's it's still a form of reading flames or a flame. Mm-hmm. So pyromancy is is one of those one of those ones, and it's very much obviously connected to the element of fire. Yeah, and then there's also numerology, which is pretty common. I think people uh, confuse numerology with. Uh, angel numbers. Angel numbers are actually mm. not a thing. It's not mm. a thing. It's actually mm. numerology that you are utilizing. Granted, the meanings of angel numbers that you'll find online, quote unquote, angel numbers will be sometimes different than mm. numerology meanings of those numbers. And I think it's important to remember that that they are pretty much the same thing, but they're different in the sense that numerology is an ancient practice of knowing the meanings of certain uh, and energies of certain numbers and utilizing the meaning of those to find, you know, answers and divine. But angel numbers are a very, very new age thing. That's that's mm. a very new thing. It's not ancient in the yeah. sense of what they're called and kind of the interpretations of them. But yes, numerology is utilizing numbers to find answers using the energy of the numbers as well as the the meaning of them. And you can utilize this in your name. So you can use uh, numerology to find the energy that your name holds. I, I used it to figure out if the uh, apartment that I was applying for was going to be a good energetic fit for me and help me uh, to do what I wanted to be doing. That's the same way that I, that I chose my name because certain letters line up with certain numbers, which means that your name has a numerology energy to it that mm-hmm. projects a certain kind of energy and that can help aid you towards something. So sometimes people who are actors or people who go by uh, fictitious names in their business will do that and utilize numerology to help know whether or not the numbers relating to that name will be productive in them helping to attain what they want to be 
doing. So numerology is so much more deep than just seeing repeating numbers everywhere. And it's really, really something that I would encourage people to look into, especially with how popular uh, quote unquote angel numbers are. I, I hate really angel wish, I, I, I do too. It I bothers really me so much cannot because stand them. it's, it really, it waters down and it takes away the culture behind mm-hmm. numerology. And that's what makes me sad. It's, it's not that people are trying to utilize numerology in a new way. It's that you're using it in a way that is watering down and or ignoring the tradition of numerology. And I just feel like it does it such a disservice because Mm -hmm. numerology is so, so much deeper than what, you know, was coined angel numbers. So I really encourage you that if you're looking at angel numbers or number sequences that you look into numerology, if you haven't already, because it is really something that I feel like most people should know about and they just don't. So the thing that really bothers me about angel numbers is that I never connected with angel numbers. I Mm -hmm. just found it always. Even working with angels, I didn't like them. Well, yeah. And it's just another one of those things that I felt like was really gimmicky and probably born mm-hmm. out of Christianity or the Christian mindset. Well, it actually, um, the, the most common link that I've found in the research that I've done around where it come, comes from is Doreen Virtue. Interesting. And she is like the, the well-known angel. Well, she used to be an angel practitioner who then turned into a Christian, which, you know, it's fine. People can change their beliefs, but she Mm -hmm. was the one that is most commonly directed back to as far as angel numbers go. So I believe in my understanding of things, she was the one that coined the term and that it didn't really exist in that way before her. Mm -hmm. Well, there's nothing wrong with coining a term because if we see the word magic versus magic, like magic with a CK, was first brought to light by an author can't remember the name right now but brought to light for to from an author to differentiate between spiritual occult magic versus stage magic so it's not like there's an issue with bringing about a new term it's just like you said it does a disservice to the overall culture mm-hmm. of what numerology stands for and the sad thing is because angel numbers have always turned me off and it's like i always notice 11 11 or 12 12 yeah. But I'm always like, ugh, gross, fuck off. Like, I just, like, it turns me right off. And I've never gotten into numerology because of it. And that's just a bias that I have had that I clearly recognize and have recognized before this podcast anyway. Yeah. Well, and numerology, like, the more you, the more you understand it, the more you can even know other divination Mm -hmm. methods like tarot, Mm -hmm. because numerology also applies to tarot and it also applies to astrology and things like Mm -hmm. that. And there's so many uses for it that we just Mm -hmm. ignore because it's a basis for a lot and we just don't even realize it. It makes me sad. I also want to say this about numerology. The really cool thing about numerology is numbers and thus math. It brings me to one of my favorite quotes by quotes by Dakota Blue Richards. Which is, math is my favorite subject. It's the universal language. I like the fact that wherever you go in the whole world, two plus two will always still be four. And it mm-hmm. absolutely does transcend language barriers. It transcends culture. It transcends everything. Numbers are numbers are numbers. Two and yeah. two is four everywhere you go. So I think that there's something to be learned in understanding numerology that that can be gleaned kind of across the board, regardless of where you're from, I think is kind of the neat thing. Agreed. I love it. 
And then we have another form of divination called lithomancy, which is stone or charm casting, reading charms. You know, charms are really interesting and I love stone casting too. And did you know that if you wanted to go ahead and assign meanings to your childhood marbles, that that would mm-hmm. be a form of lethomancy? Uh-huh, yep. uh-huh. Even though it's yep. glass, it's still the same idea. You can That's use- the one reason why I love charm casting is you can oh, make yeah. it into anything you want. You can use anything because oh, yeah. you can just use anything. trinkets, like yeah. just yeah. utilizing, you know, random pendants. Or something so unique to each Mm -hmm. individual practitioner where you have pieces that are meaningful to you and you are the one that assigns the meanings. So Mm -hmm. for example, if I have a little charm of a cross, some people might say, oh, that obviously would mean spirituality. Well, perhaps for me, it instead signifies burdens. The burden mm-hmm. of a cross. It completely depends on how you as, as the person using the charm wants to assign a meaning to it. And that's what makes it so fascinating to me when I see people doing charm castings and stone castings too, because stones are the same way. You can assign whatever meaning you want yeah. to it, whether it's legit, like not legit, but whether it's literal or not, like whether mm-hmm. you say amethyst is going to be connected to uh, crown center activation or something, or whether it represents something else entirely unique to you is up to you. And I think that that's such a beautiful part of this particular divination method is that somebody would literally pick up your, your bag of charms and be like, what the fuck is all this? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. You can make it as big or as simple as you want. Mm -hmm. Like you can have it be comprehensive with a bunch of different charms, or you can Mm -hmm. just have it be like five that just are like general and you can have it as specific or as unspecific as you want. And it's so cool. I love it. Fascinating. So another form of divination, two kind of forms of divination that I kind of put together, um, even though they're different is dreams and meditation. You might be like, Ariel, that's technically not divination. It, it doesn't have to be, but it can be with intention. So just like anything that you're doing, uh, everyday wise might not be magic. If you're doing it with intention, it is magic. Like before you go into dreams or before you go into meditation, putting the intention out there that you are looking for answers through meditation, through dreaming, those methods can be considered divination. Now, if you're going in and you're having dreams about random stuff and you haven't put intention into having an answer for something, that's when I wouldn't consider it divination, that I would just consider it a regular dream or something like that. Or even with meditation, if you're just going in um, and you're having things happen, it's more of just like what you need to know at the time rather than an answer to a question or you putting the intention in to gain knowledge. Whereas having the intention to gain knowledge from it is more so along the lines of divination. With dreaming, it's a little bit easier to tell the line between when it's divination and when it's just dreaming, whereas meditation in general is more so commonly a form of divination in that sense. But those two are things that are commonly um, used as well that are just not really, I don't know, cognitively, I I don't think we really consider that uh, divination, but it is. Yep, it absolutely can be. It's it's commonly ones that are recommended for connecting with spirit team, your mm-hmm. spirit team or with the, you know, divinity, various forms of divinity or or whatever, but it, it can also be used to gain insight and to gain answers in or to 
potentially give you insight into the future. So there's no, yeah, there's no hard line on that one. I'm going to quickly talk about oomancy. So that's a funky word. So oomancy is egg divination. So un is the derived from the Greek word un egg and mentia is divination. And so it translates literally into egg divination. And it was really, really common form of divination that was practiced in ancient Greece and ancient Rome and also in Scotland. Um, so really the way that it works is you would crack and drop an egg into uh, hot water and then you would uh, read and interpret how the egg falls in the water and what kind of shapes the egg white would take and, and the yolk and all that stuff. So that is a relatively common form of divination used today. Mm-hmm. And it comes from so many different cultures as well. And that, you know, it bears mentioning, like there, there are a lot of different ways to read eggs in different mm-hmm. cultures. So yeah, I don't exactly. want to make it sound like it only comes from Greece or only no, comes no. from Scotland, yeah. but it also is used those. in Norse and yeah, um, like there's just a lot of different um, places, a lot of different cultures that use it. It's more about how you read it and what mm-hmm. it means. Would be yeah, because there's certain techniques that come from certain cultures too. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's going to do it differently. And I just think it's, you know, it's always important to do your own research and find a method that you know is open and comfortable for you to use. And I know that certain ways to do it are considered yeah. closed. And mm-hmm. I would not be the person to ask because I really don't practice that kind of divination, but I do think it bears mentioning just because, you know, we want to try to educate you guys in where we can without also stepping over toes. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So there is also hydromancy, which makes me super excited because I love, (laughs) I love, I love me some water. Eat a Um, lot of baby. Yeah. And this is kind of the ability to divine answers using the movement of water. So sometimes I'll do this in the bath with like, if I have, you know, a glitter bath bomb or something like that, I'll just move the water and be able to get images through the glitter. Or if you have a jar and you have water in it and you, or a bottle, um, anything to where you can see through the sides or through the top and you can just move the water around and then see the particles within the water, whether it's a pigment or glitter or even dirt, whatever you want to use to look for images. Sometimes you see these on like TikTok. We'll take like tiny bottles or vials of water and they'll spin it. And then you can see like mm-hmm. a woman dancing or yeah. something like that. So or they'll, that take, will... they'll take pictures of it and still images. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really cool. I love that. And mm-hmm. so if you are doing it, it's probably a good technique to just either take a video to where you can like slow it down frame by frame, or you can take it on like a, a slow capture um, setting, like a slow-mo setting. So you can really see everything coming through as it does. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, water as a divination method. Is just, oh, Agreed. that's so happy. I love it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and it's very accessible. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You get in the bath and then you just divine a little bit. Boom. <laughs> Get yourself some answers. So there's also libanomancy or libanomancy. I'm not sure. There's I've heard people kind of say it different ways. This is basically divination by incense, smoke, or how the incense ash falls. Um, so I think it's also called libanomancy is another way to say it. But essentially, it's primarily through observing and interpreting the burning incense smoke um, and how the ash 
falls or how it forms. Um, so sometimes when you're burning it incense, sometimes the ash will form like a circle before mm -hmm. it falls so that you could read before it falls and then after it falls and where it falls. There's different ways that you can read the smoke, but there's common one that that I've learned about is, you know, if if the smoke is like double pronged and it's like forming almost like a ladder, then that means that whatever response you're looking to get is being heard. But again, that was just one way that I learned about it. There's probably multiple, multiple ways to read it. But that is a common one. Incense is a big part of modern practitioners as far as using smoke for cleansing, but also for divination too, and being able to talk to spirits and, and, and other things. So definitely worth mentioning that one too. Mm -hmm. Would that include um, smoke from like, uh, like herb bundles? I'm not sure. I know that libanomancy or libanomancy, however you want to say it, is specific to observing and interpreting burning incense smoke. So gotcha. I'm not sure if there probably is a mancy for yeah, her, yeah. Her bundles. Oh, or just smoke, some. like smoke divination in general, in general I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Another one that is oh, just my favorite is astrology. <laughs> astrology let's talk about the stars i love anything celestial like if oh god i i wish people could see my personal amazon lists because pretty <laughs> much all of it is just celestial shit just all of it <laughs> celestial jewelry celestial clothing pajamas like i i don't give a fuck i have so much celestial <laughs> shit in my life and i it's just everywhere. Anything to do with celestial things and star beings, I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> I'm so there. But astrology is considered a form of divination, um, utilizing the movement of celestial bodies, how they interact in our lives, how they come through in our charts. So not only is it uh, utilized as a way to interpret us as people, but it's also used to interpret the world around us and certain uh, events and used to predict the future and, and cast predictions in that way. So I, oh God, it's, it's such, I could talk about it for hours, but I won't, but it's obviously a very uh, popular now form of divination, but sometimes I think people forget that it's actually a form of divination. I think it's mm -hmm commonly seen as just like, oh, it's just astrology, but it is a form of divination and it is definitely becoming more popular than it mm -hmm. was when I was a kid. But yeah, I just, I'm, I'm happy to see more people appreciating uh, the power of the celestial things above us. Yeah. Hell yeah. We have also seromancy or caromancy, which is uh, with a C. Uh, it depends on how you want to say it again. Tomato, tomato. So seromancy <laughs> is uh, wax reading. So, so this is performing divination with candle wax. So it's a very long practice form of fortune telling or divination by reading the wax both during and after the candle is burned. Or also when poured, you pour the hot wax into cold water and then you can read the wax from the top and the sides. For me, I do this form of divination quite often with Nyx and she likes it when I read the top and the side, but not the bottom. So it's just her preference, but either way, if you can see the bottom, that's another way you could, you could read it. And also if you want to include how the wick 
gets lit as far as how fast the wax starts to melt is another way you can incorporate it. But Mm. I personally, like when I'm doing spell work, either for myself or for clients, I pay a lot of attention to how the wax is burning. Yeah. It can tell you a lot. It can can tell you you so much. Like you can see symbols, you can see shapes, you can, you can see how it's related to the question you're seeking insight into. Like for instance, if you're divining information about a love interest and the symbol is a heart, you could consider that as a positive sign or Mm -hmm. some, you know, whatever you could see, you know, you could see various different symbols like numbers, letters, objects, beings, silhouettes, animals, whatever. So there's so many different ways that that this could be a useful form of divination to find answers. And dipping the candle wax into water, it's the process of actually paying attention to the question you're asking while you're dipping it into the water. And the interesting thing is as you are doing it and it's just like tiny drips onto the surface, it will start to join together and then form shapes, which is really, really cool. And then in addition, when you're reading it from the side, depending on how the wax sort of interacts with the water will determine how deep certain like how do I describe it it will determine like how many layers there will be Mm. of wax on top of itself which will form like a deeper like an upside down skyline like an upside down city cityscape if you're kind of understanding what I'm trying to say I don't know if that makes any fucking sense. God no, damn it, Mercury fun. retrograde. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. You're my enemy. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So so there's also tassiomancy, which I have really wanted to get into. Um, I've only done a little bit. I even bought myself a mug and everything. But tassiomancy is tea leaf reading. And I've, I've done it a couple times, but it's just been... I, I've never actually like done formal training on it or anything like that, but it's just the act of making tea typically with loose leaf tea and allowing the tea leaves to settle to the bottom of the cup. Sometimes um, in certain cultures, they'll have you drink the whole cup of tea before they read it um, so that your energy is infused in it, or they will pour it out like pour out most Mm. of the tea and then read it that way. Some people read it in the cup. Some people read it on the the saucer and some people read both. It really depends on, I think, personal style. But yeah, tassiomancy, tea leaf reading. I love tea. Yeah, it always makes me think of Harry Potter. Oh, it makes me think of Outlander. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It makes me think of Harry Potter, you know, the fucking whatever her name is, the teacher in there. And she's like, (gasps) oh. It's the wolf, or I think it was a wolf that she saw in it. I don't know, oh, or death or something. Yeah, or no. isn't that or was wasn't the, that the herb teacher, like the yeah. the plant lady? Yeah, she was funky. Was I lady. I want to be her one and grow up. <laughs> oh, the plant lady <laughs> with the Can't crazy glasses. Yeah, yeah, and like the hair just like everywhere, and just like <laughs> you could tell she smells like patchouli. Like I want to be yes. that girl. Yeah. That's I want to be her. We have another form of divination that I personally uh, have been getting more and more interested in as of late, and this is called claromancy. Mm-hmm. This yes. is another ancient practice of divination that is heavily used in ancient Greek, uh, but also in Roman times as well. And it's basically a lot. It's similar to to coins, but it's also kind of more like pulling straws, like I mentioned before. So I'm going to give you a quick 
little example of what lots means. So we have Zeus and then we have Adis and then we have Poseidon. And the way that those three were determined on who was going to rule where was they pulled lots. So they pulled lots on who was going to rule what. And Poseidon got the ocean, Adis got the underworld, and Zeus got the king of the gods. So so that's an example of, of lots. Uh, but it's also coins falls into this and dice falls into this. You know, you have your regular six-side dice. You can also use D4s, D12, D20s. These are like, you know, multi-sided dice. And yeah, I mean, I just use my D&D dice. <laughs> yeah, you can get like really nice D D dice sets. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You can get them made out of crystal. Mm-hmm. You can get them like all fancy and like done like actually oh, question about that. If they're made of crystal, would that make them imbalanced? It depends. Depends on the maker. Because I, I I have seen because there's a lot of people who make like um the the resin cast yeah. dice yeah. Yeah. on on TikTok and sometimes they'll put stuff in it and I'm just like, uh, is that gonna make it interesting? Even like imbalanced. Yeah, and- I don't know. I think it depends on the maker on how serious they want to be about it. I think it's just kind of um it's just a way to make a quick buck. People are just making them look really, really aesthetically pleasing rather than being you know balanced in the sense that we would consider like you know rolling two d6s on like a on a right. table you know right. what i mean yeah you don't want inherently have different balanced dice on a on a gambling yeah. table exactly. that's a big no-go my grandpa would tell you that he'd be like oh no you don't want to have unbalanced dice <laughs> he was <laughs> that is so cute a gambler imparting wisdom on the on the generations literally <laughs> literally i learned poker from him and he was he also left me with gambling coins <laughs> when oh he God, passed you could use them for divination yeah i do yeah. i have a coin i have um coins that i use for divination all the time i have like a, a die and a coin that i reach over and grab like whenever i need like a yes or mm-hmm. no question but yes like and that's one thing that i love about things like that is that you can use really sentimental trinkets and yeah. have it either connected to like a certain deity i love having the sentimental value behind mm. them and the extra meaning because it just makes it that much more special yeah agreed yeah my coin that i use is a replica of an ancient greek coin um, of artemis of course so her- it is <laughs> everywhere i know her whole artemis life is everywhere. artemis Literally, you walk into my house and it's just like fucking Artemis here, pulling there. Mm -hmm. This is like, yeah, it's just fucking Greek shit everywhere, man. Yes, it's fantastic. And crystals, lots of crystals. (laughs) So many crystals crystals and all the Greek gods. It's true. That's basically the house and dog food. Yes. Okay, so another form of divination that I am quite familiar with but sadly cannot use is dowsing. Dowsing has been used in a couple different ways throughout the years. Uh, It's actually really old. People would commonly use dowsing to find water. So sometimes it will be called water dowsing, but commonly you'll see like dowsing rods and pendulums would also be, or pendulums, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, would be used for yeah it's meant for motto selenite you're the selenite i don't like yeah. selenite it's just i don't like stupid. selenite <laughs> selenite makes sense to me though because it's named after the goddess selene yeah i know but it's still just weird 
<laughs> so, no, it's just wrong to me. It's just wrong. <laughs> I'll talk to somebody about this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm telling. I'm telling on you. <laughs> I'm telling the Greek gods. Um, but pendulums and dowsing rods, as much as I love them, they are very easy to manipulate, and that's the reason why I don't tend to recommend pendulums or pendulums for beginners. Um, and or dowsing rods because they really have to be something that you understand and are in tune with your body to be able to use without manipulation. I have like muscle weakness and it makes me twitch a lot, which means that I don't find that my answers with pendulum are super reliable. And uh, one way to kind of test whether or not uh, a pendulum is reliable for you is to be able to test it, like really test it. I'm not talking about asking like, is my name Laura and having it say yes or no. I'm talking about having it be a question that only an, another person would know and you wouldn't know it. And you're able to get a yes or like a confirmation or a negative on it so that you wouldn't be influencing it at all. Because otherwise, you're going to be influencing your answers, even if it's by accident. I suppose in one way, this is kind of an extension of muscle testing. But I don't think that it would fall under kinesiology in that way. Your body movements and your micro movements can cause influence to it. But that's why it's so important to be able to utilize these methods after much practice and being able to really utilize a, a way of using it that's not going to be super influenced. Dowsing in general, like I said, was used to use uh, find water. So they would use either metal rods or sticks to walk across the property in, you know, zigzag motions to find water. And when they would go over water, then the rods would cross. So that was where it originated from. But then people just started using it for connecting with the other side. And it's commonly used in paranormal investigating. Um, I have a friend who is incredible at using dowsing rods. Every time I try to use them, I just put them in my hands and then they just cross and they will not open. They just refuse to do it. So they hate me. Um, it makes me really sad. I don't want to talk about it. I'll cry. But I love them, but I just cannot use them. My friend though, she is so connected to them. Colleen, if you're listening to this, I'm still saying you should be on TikTok. She has dowsing rods that she uses that she is so in tune with that they go back and forth with the heartbeat Aww. of her. It's so beautiful. I love it. Pendulums, I do have a pendulum. I think everybody does, but I don't use it very often because I find that even when I'm trying my best not to, it's very easy to manipulate it. There are ways to use pendulums where you're not actually physically holding it. You can have a pendulum holder. Um, you can make yourself a little pendulum jar to where it's not being influenced by wind or, you know, your own body movements. And that's ways to utilize pendulums to where you know it's not going to be influenced by your body movements. So that is an option. But if you feel confident in your use of pendulums, then go for it. But I, the reason why I'm really doubling down on how manipulatable these are is because I see a lot more people on TikTok mm -hmm. utilizing pendulums and dowsing rods to do live readings. And yep. Yep. I don't want you guys to get scammed. It is extremely easy 
to manipulate answers on dowsing rods and pendulums. And sometimes it will be so subtle that you won't even notice. Um, Sometimes it'll be Mm -hmm. really obvious, but that's why I just want you to be cautious because it's not to say that everybody who does them on live stream and stuff is lying or that they're manipulating it because they might not be, or they might be doing it without even knowing. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that's something to keep in mind. And I personally would see those methods on live streams and stuff more as entertainment things rather than mm-hmm. uh, a reliable source of divination unless you're doing it with someone you trust or you're doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I am also of the same opinion that uh, pendulums are not my typical go-to. I do use them every now and again during tarot card readings if I'm just yeah. wanting to like hover over a specific card and be like, is this really you know what I use wanted to pendulums pull? for and di- and dowsing them for the most is in missing person cases. Mm, oh, I've never used one for missing persons case. I I've used case. them I've used them a couple times on maps to try to find areas mm. where there needs to be a focus if I'm asked for a specific area. But I, I try to avoid using it at all costs just because of how how easy it is to manipulate. And because of that, that's why I try to avoid it at all costs. And that's I really have only used it in those scenarios when I'm like desperate and I just don't know how else to get the answer because otherwise you're just kind of like, I don't know where to focus on or anything like that. So mm-hmm. So uh, a really popular form of uh, divination and one that I really love and that Ariel really loves is osteomancy. And this yes. is <laughs> I'm obsessed with bones, literally obsessed with them. I have so many. It's so creepy. Like people will come over and I'll be like, do you want to see the human ribs? <laughs> oh, it's not creepy at all. I love it. I, I fucking love it. love it. I dig that shit. Um, so this is bone throwing, throwing bones. So this this is the use of bones for divination and has been formed by cultures around the world for thousands of years. And there's some different methods that can be used, um, but the ultimate purpose is typically the same, which is to foretell the future using the messages displayed in the bones. So in some societies, bones were burned and shamans or priests would use the results for scrying. So like, this t- definitely connects into this specific uh, example that I talked about earlier, which is scapulomancy, mm-hmm. um, the use of the scapulae or the shoulder blade bones that were burned. So I think I actually read that that this is also typically referred to if you burn bones and read them, it's called pyro osteomancy. So oh, whatever, <laughs> it's, it's, yes, it's it's you know one in the same umbrella terms. <laughs> yeah. But also for differing traditions, sometimes the bones are actually marked with symbols as well. And then those symbols can be analyzed. Or if you are on TikTok, something that you'll probably come across at some point or another, if you are sort of into the divination world or occult or spiritual witchy, whatever people using it for yes, no, you throwing bones for yes, no answers. And so there's, it's up to you as as the one that is throwing the bones, whether it be on the floor or on animal pelts or like on a mat of some sort or uh, whatever you want. If the bones cross, some people see that as a yes. Some people see that as a no. It's it's up to you. There is a specific form of osteomancy that I'm actually learning about. It's called astragalomancy. It's from ancient Greece. I'm probably absolutely butchering the name. Um <laughs> 
from ancient Greece, specifically from specific temples from Asia Minor, which is a divination using animal ankle bones, typically rear hooves from sheep, goats, deer, and ox. And this is such a cool form of divination that, again, comes, it originates in Greece, this specific kind. And it is where you will have, um, so astralogous bones, hence the name astralogomancy. Astralogous bone has four sides, two that are narrow, two that are broad. And so depending on how the, the ankle bone is, how it lands when you are throwing it, you it has a, a Greek position name and symbol and then a coin conf- equivalent configuration and point values. Oh, it is interesting. so freaking cool man and then you add up the point values so you add up how so okay i'm like so stoked right now so depend so let's say you have um five ankle bones and you throw it and three land a specific way one lands a different and one lands a different you add Mm -hmm. it up depending on how it landed let's say the total value is 10 then that would represent like tyke for opportune chance oh it's so it's it's very similar to i ching Mm-hmm. Yes. yes it's actually called okay. greek i ching oh is it <laughs> greek I- there you go <laughs> yeah. it's super cool so That's for example so cool. um artemis of uh bravona has uh, a total value of 11 and you if you throw three uh, yeah if you throw five ankle bones three land the same way on the same side and two land the same way on the same side and a value of 11 that's artemis super cool wow yeah so a bunch of so cool could you do that i mean obviously like it's meant to be done with with bones but could you do it with dice i i would imagine if you had a four sided dice because because each side is different and there's Mm -hmm. four sides to the knuckle bone so i suppose you could i suppose you could but it yeah, does, not, with that my... does not take the fun out of just like chucking some knuckles know, around. Well, that and like, why not use the bones? Like, you can use the bones. Use the bones. Um, use the bones. I, I, <laughs> in my charm set, I have uh, chicken bones. And yeah. I have certain bones represent certain things. So like, like uh, spine bones, like vertebrae, I see as like support and having stability, having mm-hmm. balance, and then having like arm bones or wing bones be kind of like reaching out or like kind of re- bringing something to you, things like that, the way that the bones lay. I, I think it's so beautiful to use bones because you can utilize either the way that they look like sometimes people who uh, bone cast within um, Norse paganism will look for like you know, futhark runes, mm-hmm. because commonly futhark runes are created with a lot of sharp lines. So you can yeah, have that come true. through in bones. Yeah. And I, I think it's so cool because you can really either put your own meaning to each bone or you can have it be something that is part of a structured system. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I love about it. And also because you get to have a lot of bones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you know, it can be as accessible to you as you want it to be. You know, if you can just use chicken bones, man, like just get, yeah. get yourself a full ass chicken. Yeah. I honestly used until my, uh, my friend Micah so kindly gifted me some really beautiful bobcat femurs. I was using cooked chicken bones because mm-hmm. that's just what I had access to. Cause I was eating a lot 
of roaster chickens for chicken mm. salad. And I was like, I don't want to go, I don't want to have these bones go to waste. Now there are people who will argue that that is, they don't want to use the energy of those animals because it's like, um, they come from like bad environments and it can hold that energy. In my opinion, I feel like it's more disrespectful not to use them because you are saying that the animal who didn't have a choice, whether or not they were going to be come a roaster chicken at Rayleigh's or not, <laughs> they didn't have a choice. And so even if they wanted to be like, I wanted to be a special chicken that had my bones used for osteomancy they didn't get to choose so like i like to be able to actually and like this is going to sound so weird but maybe not too weird because if you're listening to this podcast it's probably not going to be weird for you but i would sit with the chicken carcass and say would you like to be added to my practice that's and not weird said, at all and if they said yes then i would pick apart the bones and I would utilize the bones in my practice. And mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful way, in my opinion, to utilize the energy of an animal to mm -hmm. honor it rather yeah. than just throw it away and, and not be oh, yeah. able to utilize it in a way that can honor its life and body in, in more ways than just using the meat. It's, mm -hmm. it's in my opinion, more respectful. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I also, I have specific animals that are lifelong animal guides of mine and I have some bones that are from that specific animal so for example fox I have some fox bones and I use mm. those bones to connect to the spirit of fox so yes. not just my guide but the spirit of fox yeah and I have a deer fox vertebrae that I do out. the same thing with yeah yeah you can use it to connect to the spirit but I know that that's getting a little bit beyond the definition yeah yeah but still but we still love osteomancy <laughs> we just love bounds okay we just love bounds we, we love, love all the bounds so we have our you know big hitter clear abilities the clear abilities the word clear is francais for clear Claire is tacked on at the front and then we've got ourselves a list of different clear abilities so we can start with clear cognizance which is clear knowing this is where you just know shit you mm -hmm. just know commonly shit. called like the gut instinct yes that's the best way that i can or describe intuition? it well, because is intuition one thing or is it multiple different facets? I would say it would be multiple. Yeah. I would. It's more of like a, a, a umbrella term to me. Yeah, I would say so too. And then we've got clear audience, which is clear hearing. People always assume that that just, a me, that just means that you only hear outside of your head, but that also counts for in your head. Mm -hmm. So if you hear messages or you hear voices from uh, from other things in your head or outside of your head that's that's clear audience so here's the thing though is that there is a difference between mental illness and clear audience and yeah there's and an that can be a really fine line to walk yeah, because exactly I, the way that i always tell people to define it is and the way that they often uh, categorize it in mental health assessments is are the voices telling you to hurt yourself or others? Yeah. Are they telling you to do things that are detrimental to your own health? Because even others, if, yeah. yeah, even if it's not mental illness, you still don't want to be listening to them. 
You still don't want that in your space. You don't want to be interacting with them. So whether it's mental illness, if that's the case, or if it's spirits or, you know, beings or whatever, you still don't want to be interacting with that. So just, you know, if you are having having a lot of voices in your head that are encouraging you to do things that are detrimental to your health, uh, or well-being of you or your, or others, or, you know, putting you in dangerous situations or encouraging you to do dangerous things, please get assessed or have a professional help walk you through that because it doesn't mean that you don't have clear audience, but Mm -hmm. that is something that you want to address sooner rather than later because like you're in danger. That is something where I want you to be safe. Alyssa wants you to be safe. Yes. We don't want you to end up, you know, hurting yourself or, or getting in a bad position. So, Mm -hmm. you know, mental health matters. Uh, it's, it's not something that I'm ever going to say doesn't exist because it does and it it absolutely can and will always be something that can live, uh, live within your life in addition Mm -hmm. to your practice and your abilities. Yeah, absolutely. That I I have a couple mental illnesses and I'm also very spiritually attuned same. as far as my clairs. It's totally possible to have. Both. I've got a little collection. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm, I never I never wanted them, and I collect mental illness. <laughs> I didn't want them, but they're here. <laughs> there is the collection that you never wanted. <laughs> I'm a you collect shells. I collect mental illness. <laughs> Literally, I was gifted it by my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sentimental gift you never wanted. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Uh, (laughs) Then we've also got clairvoyance. Uh, So clairvoyance. uh, The word clair is, as I went over, is French. Uh, Voyance is is French as well, and that's uh, French for vision. So clairvoyance is clear vision. So again, with clear audience, this can be on the outside or on the inside. So visions inside mm-hmm. your head or visions that almost like where it's like your, your eyes are open and you're staring off, but you're seeing something different. There's two ways. So it's like, I get visions in two ways. I can see entities in my space, but I also get visions while my eyes are open, you know, like as I'm getting like yes. into it's almost like an yeah, it's like yeah. an overlay. Yeah, like it's another layer mm-hmm. to life that you're perceiving. It's yeah. kind of like if you were in, like, if you had like Google Glasses. Does anybody remember <laughs> Google Glasses for the five minutes that they were a thing? Oh my god, um, I, those! I but knew like, they were it's flop. almost like if you had like in spy movies and stuff where they have mm-hmm, the glasses mm-hmm. on and then they have like the little computer that's telling them mm-hmm. information about what they're seeing. It's yeah. kind of like that, except instead of a computer telling us, it's it's like deities or something like that or as I like to mention or describe it as like a hologram um Mm. sometimes it will look almost like a hologram or a memory is being projected Mm. into the space because when people think of memories you can go into a space that you've been in before and see Mm. the memory in that space right Um, well you're thinking of it now right so if we're asking you to think of a memory one is in your head and your eyes are likely open while you're thinking Mm -hmm. of it but yet you're still seeing it it's yes. just like that. Uh, yes. So, and yeah. it's, yeah. And some people will say that the deities or, or even people who've passed come through very opaque and they yeah. look yeah. like real people. To be honest, I've never experienced that. Not to say that it's not like that, but that is another way of interpreting mm-hmm. them and seeing them. It's just never been that clear for me to mm-hmm. the point where like, it's very rare that I 
confuse someone for being passed away or alive. Um, mm-hmm. And usually when that happens, it's because I'm not, I, I'm like distracted with something else and I see it or out of so like the fast. corner of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fast or like I'm, it's, you know, driving on the road at night or yeah, that's the uh, biggest one. And it's dark driving. or like, you know, things like that. It, it really just depends. But those are the times where I'm like, are you real or are you dead? Yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, for everybody it's different. So like the reason why we're giving you these examples is because, you know, ultimately I think we need to do an episode completely for the clarabilities. I would agree. But that is for a different night. We're not going <laughs> to do this now. This is gonna be so long, but Ooh. we're giving different examples for vision because yeah. that's one that people ask about all the, the time. time, like literally all the time. Oh, all yeah. the time. It's the biggest question the for sure. Yeah, no, Claire's always. Um, and then we've got Claire Gustance, which is clear taste, clear tasting. And actually I would love to say that, um, that this is one that I don't have, but I actually do. And it is for better or for worse. So it can this be so nice. And it can dude, also really suck. It can be <laughs> shitty. I'll tell you like, like literally shitty. And mm-hmm. I really think that it's one of those ones that I, you kind of almost don't even really clock it as a clear. Yeah. It's like, sometimes yeah. you'll just be like, oh, I just smell something, but it's extremely out of place for like what's happening right now. It's like you smell yeah. a perfume or, or like you have a memory of your grandma's apple pie and you can taste it and you can taste like, it. Like mm-hmm, that would be mm-hmm. Claire Gustin's. But then 100%. there are also people like people think of that. That's the nice stuff. That's the stuff that you want. That's the part of Claire Gustin's that you're That's like, not yeah. having random spirit show up in your home that passed away in an oil right. fire or something like that. And you can taste right. oil or you can you can taste the gasoline on your tongue. Like, yeah. Oh. Or like I've had people who have Claire Gustin's walk into a place where we're paranormal investigating and be like, oh yeah, it's definitely haunted in here. And I'm like, oh yeah, what are you getting? They're like, oh no, it tastes like death. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. Wonderful. I love that. <laughs> I'm so I want sorry. some mashed potatoes with a side of death, please. Thank you. Yeah. Like, and they're God. like, no, it kind of like it, it tastes like sweet, but like rotten. And I'm like, Thank you awesome. so Fantastic. much for information I did Fantastic. not want to know. <laughs> Fantastic. But it's it's I I have it. I just don't have it to the strength that I have other clear abilities, and I right. honestly am pretty thankful for that. <laughs> That's one that yeah, I could probably. It, it is. I mean, all I can of them probably can keep have, at the level that it's at and be happy. All of them can be good or. No, I'm not going to say bad, but all of them have their pros and cons. Like sometimes yes. you kind of journey into the realm where things don't. You don't know things you want to know. You don't hear things you want to hear. You don't see things you want to see. You don't taste things and so on and so on that you want to experience. But it just kind of sometimes happens. So Um, then we've got clear aliens, which is clear smelling. And that's another one that I happen to have. And one that has Mm -hmm. gotten really intense lately, thanks to Hestia. So (laughs) she's uh, like, I'm going to come through (laughs) clearly. Dude. I'm going to give you all the signs. Bonfire all the fucking time like and and it's not even like anybody around me is having a fire or anything like it's just that I do really like to be able to associate um deities with scents though it makes me happy like it's why my deity rollers are so fun yeah like because I'll smell like a certain Mm -hmm. essential oil and it will remind me cinnamon smells like lucifer cinnamon is lucifer period yeah I would say like warmer or like Mm -hmm. muskier scents are definitely yeah. in line with him. I would mm-hmm. say um like Astroff always which is so funny cuz he's always said to smell horrific. <laughs> he's yeah, never smelled it's horrific true. to me. But 
he's always <laughs> smelled like like pine and mm. cedar and books. Mm. And oh, yeah, every time he's around, smell. I'm just like, yes. This smells so good. This smells yeah. so good. Smells all good. Um, well, Artemis always smells like um like woods. Like mm, maple, pine, fir. Oh, I I know, you know what, what pine I mean? forests smell like. I've never been to a maple forest. But also with like um like mix of like earth, like like dirt. Mm, I but love like, the smell of earth. Dude, it like, just smells the so smell fresh. of dirt. Yeah. Like not not even dirt, soil. Like the soil. smell of right. soil. Soil. And yeah. like damp woods. Oh God. That's what she smells. Oh, and also the fresh best. water. She smells like like a flowing mm. creek. That's yes. the stuff that she comes yes. forward with. And then um, a pollen, on the other hand, tends to smell like sunflowers. He has a lot of flowery scents to him. A lot of like bright, uplifting smells. And he tends to yeah. smell like a like a summer day at the beach, too. That's another one. Yeah. Dude, um, if, if Didi comes through smelling like sunscreen, I'm going to be like, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. If Helios comes in again and I don't smell sunscreen, I'm going to flip out. That would be amazing. (laughs) That would be amazing. He's like, I'm going to protect your nostrils from sun damage. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Then we also have clairsentience, which is clear sensing. So sensing, like, it's a very visceral feeling. So sensing is kind of like, you know, when you get the hair that stands up on the back of your neck or you get that like tingle down mm-hmm. your spine or your palms start to get sweaty, knees weak, yeah. arms are heavy, there's vomit. Up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that is sensing. And it's kind of like where you, you know, it's, it's, it's like uh, we have this ability as humans because we are evolved species that yes. have ingrained primitive abilities to be able to sense what is around us for protection's sake so it's why Mm. we know when there's something else in the room typically we will be able to sense that there's another person within our vicinity within our bubble and that's more that's how i commonly explain it to people i'm like Mm -hmm. have you ever had a time where you've been in a room with like headphones on or something and someone walks into the room and you can feel them walk into the room before you hear them feel that like feel it physically on the floor vibrations whatever but you Mm -hmm. know that someone is there Mm -hmm. that is your sentience that is what it feels like it's it's the sense of not necessarily having information that would let you know for sure that something is happening but knowing that something is happening clairsentience is commonly associated or um, assumed to be the same or confused with characteristics of clair empathy and we'll explain further why that is not the same (laughs) but yeah clairsentience (laughs) So clear empathy, like it's it's all here. So it's French clair, which is clear, and then the Greek pathos, meaning passion or suffering coming together for clear feeling of passion and suffering. The clear empathy, psychic ability to feel other people's animals, places, worldly goings, plants, emotions, physical pain, as though they are your own. So the colloquial term that has been coined to describe this is empath, but there is a difference between being empathetic, which is feeling empathy, and being empathic, which is being an empath so you can feel empathy right. or being right. an empath because the way that i interpret claire empathy is someone actually feeling the emotions as their own mm-hmm. and, so, and well like not just empathizing with someone but like feeling those emotions as though they're feeling them themselves you're feeling what the person or thing is experience mm-hmm. experiencing so you know most common example would be grief 
So right. it's like if right. your friend is going through grief, you feel you can feel sorry for them and feel bad for them. You can give them condolences. You can empathize. If you're an empathetic, you can sympathize. But if you are an empath, you are literally feeling the exact sadness that they are. Right. Feeling. You're feeling the physical experience. You're feeling exactly. the emotional experience that they're feeling. Exactly. And and that's how it's different for me than clairsentience because clairsentience to me is more of an objective uh, way of of sensing emotions because sensing emotions is different than feeling it. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. you can sense that someone is angry. You can mm -hmm. sense heavy energy. You can mm -hmm. sense uh, an energy in the room. Mm -hmm. But with empathy, it's more so strictly around emotions and but, not so but much from another person or thing or place. Like it's, right. it's coming from somewhere else. Right. So it's like you're, you're, so by being empathetic. And, and that's why it bothers me so much when people are like, I'm an empath. And that's why I know that that person is a witch. No, I'm just no, like, no, Please no, no. Being an empath do is different than being empathetic. I am not an empath, by the way. I, I I'm will, not I will, either. I don't I'm consider not. myself as one. No, I'm I empathetic. Can, I consider myself very clairsentient. Or yes. clairsentient, but I yes. don't consider myself an empath. Correct. Me neither. I am not an empath. I do not take on the feelings of others as if they are my they are my own. I do not. Yeah. Because I, I have feel them boundaries up for that. But, but I can I empathize. I do not yes. feel them as my own. I, I'm able to clearly tell if it's like. Yes. I can feel bad for someone. Yeah. I do all the time. Yeah. I can feel sorry for someone. I can feel bad. I can feel happy for someone, but I am not feeling their feeling of happiness. Right. As if right. it's my own. And mm -hmm. so like, you know, being, being empathetic, you're trying to gain perspective because you're not actually experiencing it yourself. Whereas if you are clear empathic, you are experiencing the exact physical or emotional occurrences as though they are your own. And that is the difference. That's the difference between being an empath or being empathetic. There is no in between. Right. Right. Yes. Clear tangency, which is clear yeah. touch. Um, it can be great and it can suck. There have been times that I've really regretted having it. Like being on a on a public subway, not my favorite place to have clear tangency. Um, yeah. It's not it's not my favorite. But then there you go to like antique stores, and sometimes it's really amazing to be yeah. able to pick up an object and just like yep. know where it's from and know the story. But yeah. sometimes I can suck. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it absolutely sucks. So cl mm -hmm. clear tangency. This is kind of a good one for us to kind of clear up a little bit because um, sometimes people will read this as literal touch. It, it's almost like it gets uh, mixed up a little bit with clairsensing where it's mm -hmm. sometimes people will like think feel that like you're being touched. Right. Yeah. But that's it's not like that. It's it's, like that. it's you are getting information by through touching. Touch. Yeah. yeah. Like, touching. for example, when I touch people's scars, like that's I can super them, cool, like images of it. Um, that's why I like scars so much. That is I super cool. I do me... not have that. <laughs> that but is it's, so cool. Like if if you had clear tan tangency and it was you know enough to where you'd be able to like tune into things, mm -hmm. you could go to an antique store and pick up you know a ring and see maybe the hand that it used to be on or the person that used to own it or where the stone was mined, how mm -hmm. it was mined, how it was cut. How I actually the do see forged. that with crystals more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, I think a lot of people have it, 
but they're not aware that they have it because mm -hmm. they think they just categorize it under like claircognizance. Just but a thought. I, yeah. yeah. Which in a way it is kind of similar, but it's different in the sense that it's initiated through touch, whereas mm -hmm. claircognizance just comes to you without right. necessarily an initiation all the time. Whereas mm -hmm. claritangency is specifically after you've touched an object, once you touch it, that's when you're getting the information. Right. That would exactly. be claritangency. And so these are the clear abilities, right? Mm -hmm. So we are, um, you know, as far as divination methods, you can ask for signs and information to come through your clear senses, your clear abilities, yes. in order yes. to receive the information um, that you're seeking. So that is that is basically the clear abilities. And again, we, you know, I'm sure there's interest in us doing a longer form clear abilities podcast episode to really get into the nitty gritty of these and yeah. even share some examples of our experiences with, with each of these, I know you and I have experienced all of these at some point or yes. another. Yeah. So we can have, you know, we can bring forward some examples to kind of put mm -hmm. it into more of a, uh, you know, practical sort of thing where this is like how yeah. it can happen. I have done an episode on the clear abilities, but I would love to deep dive it with mm. Alyssa yeah. simply because I feel like there's a lot of different ways that it can be explained that she would be able to better explain uh, than I would be able to. And also it's just another perspective on, on a topic I've, I've already gone over that I think it can be really helpful. Um, so, and, and just like we say in paranormal investigating, your body is your greatest tool and it's, it's something that you have with you all the time. And mm -hmm. sometimes what you feel in your body, what you feel through your senses will not be what you're getting on, on, uh, equipment. And that doesn't mean that it's any less legitimate. So that's something yep. to keep in mind as well. Yeah. That's a good segue into paranormal tools, isn't it? I, I guess we'll get into paranormal tools then. Um, so there's a couple of paranormal tools as someone who has worked as a paranormal investigator since, a, a, well, professionally with a group since 2015, but I've paranormal investigated my entire life, which I actually want to mention before I get into tools, what Alyssa and I were talking about earlier off of the podcast, which was necromancy and mm -hmm. whether or not necromancy would be considered part of paranormal investigating. Like would paranormal investigating be considered necromancy? And the reason why we say no is because with necromancy, necromancy is utilized as a form of getting in touch with those who have passed and helping, having them help you in what you are trying to achieve. It's not to say that we're using them as tools in the sense of like unconsensually, it, but more so in the sense of asking for their help or asking for, um, information about them that we would not be able to know on our own. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's gathering unknown knowledge about them. So for example, necromancy would not be considered you being like, Hey, can you tell us your name? You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's common knowledge. That's something that we're already going to know if we have knowledge about the place, unless it's an unknown spirit. But if you were to ask a spirit, can you tell me something that will happen in my life five months from now? 
that would be considered necromancy. Yes. If you were to ask them to help you with a spell, that would be considered yep. necromancy. If mm -hmm. you were to have them give you information about someone else who is on the other side that you know, that would be necromancy. Yep. Um, yep. It's gathering unknown knowledge through that source. And that's why I would consider certain things that you do within paranormal investigating necromancy, but not all of it in general. I think mm -hmm. that's too broad of uh, yeah. a use of that term. But I did want to mention that because I, I wanted to clarify because I feel like that's going to be really helpful for someone. <laughs> I found it really an interesting it is. conversation. So I was like, yeah. I want to mention that. So a couple tools you can use within paranormal investigating, which can also be used as forms of divination, which I have utilized on live streams and stuff like that before is uh, modified radios or more commonly known as spirit boxes. So these are tools used within paranormal investigating uh, where you take a audio device that picks up on radio frequencies. So commonly it's um, a radio that someone modifies to be able to um, like switch through channels. So what a spirit box does is it's, a radio that is set up to be able to, instead of just being on one channel at a time, which you can have it work as a regular radio that way, instead you can also have it be channeling through all of the radios and only giving each radio channel like two seconds of time, five seconds of time, things like that. So that instead of just going channel 101, you're going channel 102. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and channeling through and looping through. And what you hear pieced together over those channels is information coming through from spirit. So, for example, if you have that message, Hi, my name is Greg, over five different radio channels, that is what a mm -hmm. spirit box does. Mm -hmm. It gives you the ability to hear a spirit's voice and have it be just so unlikely that that would come through on one channel and that's what you're looking so for. Cool. They're so they're amazing. So, so cool. I've, I've been able to connect to my uh, spirit team. Like I've heard Nikato through it. I've heard cool. Demille, which is a little earth elemental. I've heard Archangel Gabriel, um, Archangel Michael. I've heard Jesus. I've had um, <laughs> Jesus. Lucifer come through. I've you can connect to deities, past loved ones, people of past, but also like elementals and things like that through spirit boxes. And that's why I wanted to mention it because I, I do think that paranormal tools can be used as divination. And that's why I wanted to yeah. mention it. But also utilizing boxes is a form of EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomenon. And what that means is that you're hearing a voice that is disembodied through an audio, uh, whether that is an audio device or an audio recording. So for example, when you can also utilize your phone recording system, like everybody has, you know, audio notes on their phone, um, you can record 30 seconds of audio ask some questions to whomever you're asking, whether it's a deity or a spirit, and then listen back to that audio and hear if there's any voices answering you. That, if there is a voice coming through, would be a disembodied voice. That's what that's called. And then that audio itself would be considered an EVP. Um, so that's what they talk about when they're talking about like EVPs on, on like ghost adventures and stuff like that. 
So that is one option. Another option is EMF detectors, which is uh, electromagnetic field detectors, so EMF. Um, Electromagnetic fields are something that we have everywhere. Our computers cause uh, EMF fields. Um, It's just because we have so many electronic things in our, our world now, it causes the more exaggeration of it. EMF detectors are utilized to measure the the strength of um, electromagnetic fields from electronics. So you like if you go buy uh, a light switch or um, a light fixture or an outlet, you're going to get a higher EMF field. Um, so some sometimes a lot of times actually in paranormal investigation, these are utilized to measure the presence, uh, the possible presence, I should say, of a spirit or entity because entities and spirits tend to have electromagnetic fields around them. So the closer they get to it, the more that it it sets off and, you know, the further they get away, the less it goes off. So there are different kinds. There's the kind of like stick kind where it has like a forward projected um, field where if they're walking straight in front of it, then it's going to catch it. Or there are what are called REM pods, which are the 360 uh, EMF detectors. So it's going to detect any kind of um, EMF field in the 360 degree radius around that device. Um, So that's also able to be used as kind of a yes or no, I would say, in... um, in forms of divination. So you could say, you know, if, if I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z, can you walk closer and set off the lights? A lot of the lights, depending on the strength of the EMF field will be different colors. So like sometimes they go from like orange to green or something, and you can have them go up to a certain color or a certain number, things like that. But how you utilize that is up to you if you so choose. So cool. I have never tried. It's, I don't think I've ever tried any of those before myself. God, I, I don't think I ever have. is literally something I'm so passionate about. I Super love cool. it. It it just it makes me want to cry. I, I love it so much. I? <laughs> I th- no, I have used an EMF detector before. I think like many years ago, mm-hmm. but not to any sort of like you know professional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay. You'll use it here. Oh hell yeah! We'll be a professional by the time you leave. Oh my god, we're gonna we're gonna EMF the fuck out of everything. Oh, everything. <laughs> we're gonna, be like, Are you we're gonna take you- it to Walmart and be like, look, the toast. Oh, go to Target. We have Walmart here. We don't have Target. Guess what? I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about a spirit board. Ooh, <laughs> not just any spirit board though. Ouija board. I want to get a way, Ouija board so bad. Used to have I've never had one. I want to get an antique window. Oh, dude. If you can get a real nice wooden one, that's where it's at. Yeah. I want to get a really nice one. Like one that yeah, will I would love me. to get like a good, solid, like hefty bitch. I've used Ouija board a lot in my past. So, so much. And it is most definitely um, something that you can use as a divination method. So, you know, are they inherently evil, quote unquote? No, they are no. just no. as... It depends on how you use it. It's 100% depends on how you use it. It's a, you know, if you are not using it, it is no worse than a Monopoly board. It's no worse than a piece yeah. of paper. Yeah. It is just, 
how, when you're using it as a practitioner, I mean, you could say the same for so many of these things. You could you say know? It, yeah, like dice. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, you well, could say, exactly. oh, dice are the work of the devil. The devil is trying to talk to me through the dice. Like, But here's the thing with Ouija boards, use. though. Yeah. Is the reason why they're considered so evil is because it is, and it's so funny that Ouija boards got such a horrible horrible rap even though one could argue pendulum does the same thing Mm -hmm. but it's that it by the you are asking spirit to help give you a message through the movement of what's called the planchette on the spirit board and it will it will typically either point at the pointy end of the planchette or there's usually a hole in the planchette so it, it they'll either point to a letter or to yes no or point to a bunch of different letters to spell out a word or whatever or they will hover over it so that the circle like the, it's a hole through the planchette will show you the letter yeah like a window yeah. into the specific letter or whatever that they're trying to point out to it's so funny that that one is the one that gets you know the bad rep because it people took it you know, satanic panic, as it were, took it as yeah. possession, yeah. you know, and then the negative well, and a lot of, with like, possession. horror movies used yeah. it, and it's just, it's a very accessible yeah. item to, to put a bad rep to, and I think that's why it was just, yeah. uh, it, it makes me sad, because spirit boards are cool. Um, spirit boards are sick, dude. I've had some of the cool. best and worst experiences with a spirit board. Like it, I've had it, like, and I would do it again, over and over again. Despite, <laughs> I do it again, <laughs> and I do it again, despite the bad ones. I do it again. It was yeah. so much fun. It's because I was a fucking idiot and I didn't know what I was doing for the well, ones that you don't like. If you, you know, don't set up, you know, proper protection, like I, I, I don't think that protection is always necessary for divination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is actually something we should talk about with divination in general. because people ask us a lot do you need to protect for divination i don't think it's necessary but i won't say no because protection is always helpful like it 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 really depends on the practitioner some people Mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable working with uh, protection around them because they feel like it limits Mm-hmm. And some people feel more protected or more comfortable with protection. So it really just depends on the practitioner. And it depends mm-hmm. on also how capable you feel of handling things if they get out of control, if you don't yeah. have protection. Well, um, and also, it, it, it also depends on, you know, like I, I'm very intuitive driven. So I will set, I'm not the kind of practitioner to set up protections for before I do every spell work or everything because like i said yeah. my house is my altar. oh my house is a fucking fortress <laughs> my house is an altar it is like an impenetrable yeah. thing and it's just like i don't need to set up protections every time i'm doing something or every time i'm divining right. but if i get the feeling that i need to i do because it just takes yeah. a second you just it feels different if yeah. you feel like you need it trust it if yeah. you don't trust it but and it doesn't always I, have to be a fucking circle. You don't yeah, always have to have cast to a, circle. a circle. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. You can literally Ooh. take a tea light and be like, when I light this tea light, protection surrounds me. Hey, I, this is a good little plug for you guys. If you're interested in cleansing, banishing, and protection, we do have an episode on that. Oh, so yeah, a, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, so we it's, do. it really goes hand in hand, I think, with this kind of, um, you know, uh, conversation yes. uh, so that you can kind of get a deeper 
uh, understanding if, if you're interested in that. So there's another divination method, um, which is runes and runes. When we talk about runes, oftentimes people will automatically think of elder and younger Futhark runes, um, which are commonly associated with Norse paganism. But there are other types of runes. Runes are not uh, specific to Norse paganism. Um, within Norse paganism, there is the elder and younger Futhark runes. Uh, elder being the most commonly used and commonly um, known and well-known. Younger being a little bit different in meanings and slightly less used, but Anglo-Saxon Fothark being the probably lesser known of uh, all three of those types, which is still under the Norse pagan uh, umbrella of rune usage. Um, but outside of Norse paganism, there's witch runes, which I have personally not used um, yet. I, I, have interest in them, but I have not utilized them. And then there's Olgum, which is the use of sticks to predict the future and get advice. Um, and it is very much like uh, the Futhark runes in the sense that they all have specific sigils and and symbols on them, but it's, it's utilizing um, specifically uh, trees as an oracle. So each each symbol represents a different tree within the Celtic um, belief system that would represent a certain thing. So like ash tree is going to represent something different than willow tree and each one has a certain um, symbol. So it's a little bit similar to the Futhark runes in that way. Under the umbrella of runes, the elder and younger Futhark runes and Norse pagan runes are not the only ones. Um, and I think that's important to mention, but runes are amazing. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're a beautiful form of divination. And just like with many of these options, there's so many different ways to use them. Um, and it, it's just something I'm very excited about knowing about, cause I, I love it. That's why I have yeah, a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, you do. You really, really do. I do. I do like runes. I don't find I'm personally as attracted to them as other forms of divination, but I do really, really love the history of them. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, generally they're typically, they're typically made out of like, you know, bone and wood and stuff. And I just yeah. fucking love that. Yeah, I I'm have <laughs> what's funny is that I have I have three sets. One of my sets <laughs> is wood, which I've created myself. One of them is deer antler. And then one of them is opalite. So that's so cool. I love yeah. that. I've just got the one set that's from you. Oh yeah, God. I made our rooms because yeah. Odin was screaming at me too. He was like, <laughs> he was like you need to get some rooms in your life. Sorry. Get her some rooms. She needs he was some like, rooms. Well, he wasn't forcing me, but he was very strongly wanting me to like memorize the rooms mm. um, and their meanings. And to help me do that, he was like, okay, what rune is this? And I was like, ah, but it's Uru's. And he was like, okay, cool. It's put so it funny on, because I only, the, the I only tend to rip them out if, like, there is a Norse deity around. Yep. They like, like or I'm, like, Well, because a lot of them are associated with them, too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of I, that That's is. really the only time I typically use them is, is in those. But I still really, really like it. Yeah. So... Listen, we're going to get into something that I absolutely love, and that is, oh, is scrying. Scrying. Yes. 
I love it. So this is to use divination on a reflective surface. So that is the big thing that like, you know, Ariel and That's I were talking about this. rule. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this. We were, we were getting so confused because we were like, wouldn't that be scrying or wouldn't this be scrying? And it's like, no, no, no. It has to be on a reflective surface yeah. to discover hidden knowledge messages or future events. So that is where mirror gazing comes in. That is where mm-hmm. crystal gazing, specifically using obsidian comes in. And also water gazing on the reflective surface of water. And yeah. here's the thing Bath with water. <laughs> oh my god. Here's the thing with water though. Is So there's an ancient oracle called uh, Pythia. Who was an ancient oracle of Apollon. And she was one of the most renowned oracles in ancient times. And you can find so much information on her. And although she did rely a lot on intuitive divination... She also did some interpretive divination using bowls of water and bowls of water is actually something that you will find um, often in Greek mythology as well, even attributed to some goddesses. Um, Themis, which is the goddess of uh, divine law and um, uh, order, basically, it, she also is depicted with a bowl of water, which is typically to, to be used for divining. So it's really, really cool. So scrying scrying it's like you want to think that like you know charred marks on bone or charred marks on wood or like you know reading like um so dendritic agate for example is a a type of crystal where it forms all these really cool natural patterns and you kind of want to look for symbols in that but that's not scrying because it's not a reflective surface yeah because there can Um, be crystal gazing because that's mm -hmm. that's something that maybe should be talked about because like when you think of crystal balls like a lot of people Mm -hmm. talk think of like the clear balls right like that Mm -hmm. are they can be made of glass and stuff like that i have one but there's also natural crystal spheres and would that be able to be used for 100 percent a hundred you can get you can get a hundred percent pure clarity of clear quartz you could get an off-white like quartz would probably be your best bet because it's so or calcite to be honest with you yeah. um really anything calcite that has a nice sick. oh god i love calcite so much <laughs> um it's just so pretty <laughs> like an optical calcite sphere Ooh. oh i have those and they're so nice oh um, obsessed don't tell me that i can't spend money (laughs) i've got some coming too um so crystal gazing yeah it doesn't have to be just a glass ball so you know the 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 typical glass ball that we think of those are commonly used in photography but they are also used for crystal like you literally can i mean they're definitely the more affordable option compared Uh, to like yeah but i much rather have like a crystal sphere but price wise like you can still use whatever is available to you like it doesn't need to be crystal and i think that's important to mention glass is going to guarantee 100 percent clarity without any inclusions right and you can spend a pretty penny on a super clear quartz but clarity equals quality and quality equals money so you're going to be paying for that kind of call like it is like you're talking gem quality yeah you know what i'm saying so i would recommend if you're interested in crystal gazing to try first with a crystal ball because it is more affordable and um you know available but if you do end up get and it doesn't even have to be a big one by the way yeah like you can have a giant like quarter size ball yeah and utilize it 
my first scrying mirror this is a, actually a funny story because i never intended to have one but when i was a little girl like i'm talking like six years old i was did you baby i was at <laughs> the grocery store with my mom and i was walking through the the grocery store parking lot mm-hmm. and there was this pendant on the ground that was reflecting the sun Mm. and I went Mm -hmm. to pick it up I still have it to this day I picked it up and it's this black I think it's probably some sort of like resin or something super cheap material but like with gold around and it's just this little oval with a a glossy black center and I looked into it and saw a woman's face and I was like, I'm, you're coming home with me. And I just yeah. put it in my pocket and yes. I've had it ever since. And I used that's to carry it around awesome. on me all the time to scry on the go. <laughs> well, that's why Obsidian is such a, a good choice is because Obsidian is super available and quite affordable yeah. and is an amazing reflective surface. It actually is considered a type of glass. It's, it's, it is glass. Oh my God, I would from die to have a silver obsidian scrying mirror. Literally die. I would. But the issue with, with Sheen Obsidian as a scrying mirror is that it isn't going to be reflective from know, every I angle. That's the thing. I just don't get one. It's not going to be. Silver Sheen Obsidian anything though. I'm just like. I know. I know. Silver Sheen is fucking. Obsidian in general, but like, yeah, Silver Sheen is my go-to. Like, yeah, like Obsidian, Obsidian has been used in ancient times as mirrors because they're so Mm -hmm. reflective. So, so that is an option or you could just get a fucking mirror like just go to the dollar yeah. store just get a mirror or some people like take like cheap um you know dollar tree frames and just yeah. paint the black of the, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. black oh my god the back of the glass black mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like put black um fabric behind the glass and then yeah. you have a reflective surface yeah you do and you're done yep it's easy easy scrying mirror if you choose or scrying surface mm-hmm. rather that you can yeah. use if you choose and it's without having to spend a lot of money. Yeah, Done. absolutely. So those are some scrying options, which I love. All right. So going into the last and final form of divination, which is the mm. big one that we have saved for the end because it's probably the most popular. Popular. Um, at least that I know of. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of any other form of divination being as popular as cartomancy, which is the art of reading or interpreting cards to connect with the ether realms, get information from spirit. This would fall into the category of tarot, oracle, lenomon. I'm sure there are other card type divinations, but those are the ones that I could think of off the top of my head. Tarot being the most well-known and and probably most popular, and then Oracle being second most, or pretty much neck and neck now, I think. I'll let Alyssa explain a little bit about Rider Waite because often people start with Rider Waite. I know that I started with Rider Waite when mm-hmm. I was learning tarot. It's not Me my too. favorite as far as like, like I had the classic Rider Waite and I don't like that the imagery in it is really boring to me. So I actually over the years have gotten variations of it, but with art that more aligns to me so that I can be more emotionally attached to my decks because I think that's really important for connecting to your deck and I didn't realize how important it was until I had a deck 
that mm-hmm. I emotionally connected to. And then I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to like your deck. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. Um, the connection it, you can it have. It makes it so much easier oh, yeah. to read. It's it's incredible. But because Rider weight is the most common, there is a reason for it. There's certain imagery in that art that goes along with the meaning of the card, which makes it easier. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't use you know, a card deck like the Wild Unknown or the Occult Tarot where they don't have classic imagery. But I would say, in my personal opinion, I think that if you're a beginner, beginning with a deck that has Rider weight imagery in it might mm-hmm. make it easier to learn because mm-hmm. a lot of times they would be referencing like, oh, Queen of Swords shows this in the card. And I would be like, mm-hmm. it's not showing that for me in my Wild Unknown deck. And like, even though I liked it, I'm a very visual person and I needed that visual representation of what the metaphoric meaning was in the card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, cards, there's hundreds of different designs that you can find something for any practitioner. Mm -hmm. There's any of your interests. You can have things that are, you know, elemental. You can have like, you know, thematic ones. There's, there's just, um, and you can even get like fun ones. Like you can get like anime style, Lord of the Rings, like whatever the fuck you want. Like you can get like tarot for whatever it's there's something out there for someone and although the methods you know of reading tarot may have changed over the years or or folks have their own kind of way of adopting to their own unique style of the traditional meanings that um ariel was talking about basically the cards themselves for tarot not we're not talking about oracle but for tarot haven't really changed all that much so there's um I believe I believe tarot was first created in late 14th century. There's various different thoughts on where it originally started, but I believe it was around 14th century. But we do know where the origins of Rider Waite are. So the British occultist Arthur Waite, he was a member of the Order of the Golden Dawn. And I have mentioned this before in one of our previous episodes. And he got together with um, an artist, Pamela Coleman-Smith, who was also a member of the Golden Dawn and created the Rider Waite Tarot, which was published in 1909. And by Waite's suggestion, Smith used the Sola Busca artwork for inspiration, and there are many different symbolisms in in that and Smith's final results. So they so Smith was the first artist to use characters as representative representative images in the lower cards. So instead of just showing like a cluster of cups or coins, uh, wands or swords, the, Smith also incorporated human figures into the artwork. And so that is really what was the birth of the iconic deck that every reader knows today or is rooted from nowadays. And so the imagery, though, is really heavily on the Kabbalistic symbolism. So mm-hmm. typically the default deck in nearly all instructional books is from that. So people do refer to the deck in general as Rider Waite or Waite Smith in acknowledgement of Smith's enduring artwork. But, you know, well over 100 years since release of the Rider Waite deck, you can get them like I was talking about in various different designs and you can can adapt the cards to suit whatever you need. So, yeah, it's just a matter of taking the time to learn it. It is more complicated to learn than Pendulum is. It's more complicated than Tassiomancy is. 
but it's definitely uh, very popular for good reason. And the interesting thing is that as occult interest in tarot expanded, it just went as it became more associated with the Kabbalah and the secrets of hermetic mysticism. By the end of the Victorian era, occultism and spiritualism became popular for people in upper class. And that is what really like caused the wave to surf, like the occult and tarot surf together to what we know today. And I find that to be just so interesting. And I love learning about the history of occult and the history of different forms of divination. And I actually do have a book that I would like to recommend. So I'm just going to grab it one sec. The book that I wanted to recommend for folks, if you're interested in the chronological journey of the occult, if you're interested in how how history has played out for occult, which also includes different uh, forms of divination as well. The book is not just aesthetically fucking gorgeous. It's it's a really great book overall. It's it's, it's very general. Like it, it doesn't get too, too deep into things, but it does source things really well. I'm all about sourcing. Um, it has primary sources, which, oh, oh yes, please. Nice. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> it is my favorite. I'll look the scientist. She's just like, yeah, just like, yeah. I like die. And it does get into the origins and, and the history of, of tarot. And there's, uh, like I said, other forms of divination that are in here as they are related to elements of occultism. And the name of the book is called The Occult Book, A Chronological Journey from Alchemy to Wicca. And it is written by John Michael Greer. And we will oh, have I think a little. I have that on my list. Oh, dude, it's. So I feel good. like you've talked about that once, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I need it." And then I I've just, mentioned it I a few times. List, I don't. Yeah, I've mentioned it a few times yet. on my TikToks, but I don't mm -hmm. know that I've ever referenced it before on our podcast. But I'm just going to read the back of the book super quick, and we will have a link in the description yes. to this book. So the back of the book is called, uh, the back of the book is written as an enlightening journey through occult history. The fascinating chron chronology explores such diverse topics as the earliest alchemists of ancient Egypt, the philosopher's stones, the Kabbalah, the origin of the tarot, the Knights Templar, the founding of the Hellfire Club, Aleister Crowley's The Book of the Law, modern day Wicca and more with the turn of every page, you will encounter beautiful artwork, which is true and intriguing insights about the occult an astonishing story of suppression, survival and rebirth extending over more than two and a half millennia. It's a beautiful book. And like I said, it's got fantastic primary sources for you to be able to kick off further research for you to get even further into a topic. If there's something that interests you, I want to explore that book. Recommend, There's so many highly recommend. E plus plus, ten out of ten. It's a great one. It's like I said. It's also aesthetically very pleasing. It looks great on I, the shelf. I love. I love books like that. Like mm -hmm. when they're valuable inside and outside. It mm -hmm. makes me so. Happy. Oh, like the printing on this is is just oh chef's kiss dude like i'm so happy with it it's one of my prized ones just by the look of it i have another book that i'd like to recommend it's fucking huge but it's it's really perfect book to really learn in depth about the history of tarot and it's called the library of esoterica tarot it's a little bit more on the pricier side but it's huge it is uh edited and written by jessica hundley and designed by thunderwing it is fantastic. It gets into each and every card 
It gets into each and every one and goes into the various like history of the symbolism of all of them. And it is just, oh my God, it is such a great book to really learn. Like if it weren't for this book, I wouldn't have such a deep understanding and connection to the symbolism that was born from Rider Waite and even where Rider Waite took some uh, inspiration from. Yeah, because like it's sometimes if you don't understand why something is coming through, like you can't appreciate it. There's some decks that I like that other people don't and that's okay. You will eventually find one that you connect with and when you do, you will know and it will feel very, very natural. It will feel very, very good. Of course, if tarot is something that you're interested in. Um, yeah. I personally you, really love Oracle as well. I yeah, Oracle is a great option for people who don't want to memorize a whole tarot deck because, I mean, not that you have to memorize a tarot deck. I think this is something important to remember too, is that you're going to see readers who just know exactly what a tarot card means from picking it up. And not everybody's going to be that way. Like it's okay to reference the guidebook. It's okay to not know every single in and out of every card. I think people get really intimidated by tarot for that reason. And one of the best ways to understand tarot is to do readings for yourself or for friends, or, you know, some people do it like for random people online, but to really get to know something, you have to utilize it. And with tarot, that can just be so overwhelming because I think it's what, like 76 or 78 cards. Like it's a lot. And then you have the reverse meanings too. Yeah. It's just a lot. If you Um, choose to read reverse, it's not mandatory. mm -hmm. Not everybody does. Transparency. I did not at the beginning of using tarot. At the beginning, I think it's easier to memorize what they are in the upright meaning and then start learning the reverse. Well, I did, but for me, it was a principle thing. I was like, oh, there's already too much negativity in the world. We don't need to be incorporating more of that shit in our tarot. No, no, no. (laughs) No, it was a horrible outlook. Like, I did not yeah don't recommend <laughs> it's okay it's it's the love and light new age spirituality oh, kind of approach dude. to things i i yeah, did horrible i didn't do that i've always really liked reversed meanings but i didn't read reversed in the beginning because first tarot deck was the dorian virtue angel tarot Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have reverse meanings on her deck. She was like, we don't need that negativity. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, so sometimes they would come out reversed and then I would just wing it. And I would be like, mm-hmm. I think this means this, mm-hmm. <laughs> which honestly I think is more detrimental. I think you should always give people the opportunity to read reversed I with agree. tarot at least because if they choose not to, then that's up to them. But I think you should always give them the option because if you leave them to their own devices and they just are like, I think that's where we get the issue with people um, being like, oh, the 10 of swords means that, you know, someone's coming back to you and you're just oh like, my God. I don't know how you got that from that card, <laughs> but that's yeah. not what that means. So far um, removed. Yeah. Like, It's one thing to add intuitive insight to Mm -hmm. a card meaning. And I think that's really valuable because it makes your readings unique and powerful for you. But I think there's such an importance in knowing the baseline meaning of the card and explaining it for what it represents and then adding your intuitive insight on top of that. Because if you give people a, because when you're giving someone a reading, 
you don't know if it's someone who is experienced with tarot or completely unknown to it. And so I don't want to be, you know, giving someone the devil card and be like, yeah, this is the best card in the deck. Like <laughs> I, like I love the, the devil card in a lot of ways, but it's not the best card in the deck. It's, it's something that should be seen for what it is, because I think we get the most powerful insight and the most powerful growth by looking at things for what they are instead of what we want them to be. And that is mm -hmm. what tarot is. Tarot is not a, a fluffy, like feel good thing all the time. It is very much a, this is what's happening and this is how you can navigate that. And not so much like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. Like everything's going to be fine. It's going to be like, yeah, stuff is going to be shit, but you're going to live through it. <laughs> like, I literally have a descriptor in my FAQ on my website that says, that talks, there's a little blurb about cartomancy and like how cards can help you. And I, it literally says, like, it'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yes. Yes. I agree. <laughs> like, and it's just not... It, like expect to be called out if that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why Oracle can be a really good option for people who might not be ready for tarot. Oracle is so variable depending on the deck. Um, with tarot, you have a certain set. So like you have the major arcana, which is 22 cards. And then you have the minor arcana, which is like the number cards, ace through 10. And then the court cards, which are the, the knight pages, kings and queens. And then you have it for each suit. So you have the swords, the, the pentacles, the cups and the wands. But with Oracle, you can have any number of cards. You don't have to have any suits. It can literally, you can literally have an Oracle deck that's five cards. Like there's no set rule of what Oracle needs to be. I've seen big decks that are Oracle decks. I've seen little decks. I think the smallest deck that I have that's an Oracle deck is like maybe 20 cards, uh, maybe even like 15. And then the biggest one I have is like almost like 78 or 79 cards. So it really depends on the creator of how many they want to have in the deck. And Oracle decks really give you an opportunity to find an energy that really aligns to you. So it's it's something where you can find a darker deck that's maybe going to help you through some, some shadow work, or you can find a lighter deck that is a lot more encouraging, maybe helps you have daily affirmations, things like that. So it really depends. And that's what's so nice about Oracle is because it's a really great way to look at things from a very big picture point of view rather than a detailed point of view. Sometimes I find tarot to be quite dry and I think Oracle kind of brings the the element of emotion into it um, a little bit more than tarot does sometimes. Yeah, I would agree with that. My favorite Oracle deck also has reverse meanings, which I love. I love it when they have reverse meanings. <laughs> I love it so much. One of my favorite Oracle decks, which is the Messenger Oracle by Raven Fallon. It's one of my first decks that I've ever had. It is still one of my favorites. Her artwork is beautiful. It does not have reverse meanings, but I gave it reverse meanings because it's it's just 
a deck that I really, really love. Another deck that I really love that does not have reverse meanings, but I read it reversed as well, is the Madame Andorra's fortune cards. I really love that deck. And it was one of my first Oracle decks as well. And most of my Oracle decks don't have reverse meanings, which makes me sad. I wish they did. I much rather know what the author intended the reverse meaning to be, especially with Oracle, because it's so personalized to the creator. Whereas like with tarot, you can kind of do it based on like the classic meanings. But with Oracle decks, like you're in the dark. Like if you don't know how to kind of read it reversed yourself, sometimes it can just be really difficult to read that reverse. So I love it when they do that. I love it when they do that. Me too. It makes me so happy. But going into Lenoman, which is one of my favorite card divinations. Oh my gosh. I love the Nomon. I've been reading the Nomon since 2016. And that was when I got my first deck. I don't even remember. I, I honestly think that I found out about the Nomon just by scrolling through Amazon for Oracle decks. And I, I want to say it was the Bluebird Le Nomon. And I saw it and I was like, oh, what's this? And I looked into it and I was like, Fuck it. I'm going to buy it because it was like $10 or something. And well, I bought I've been it. I've reading it since 2022. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm it's like, I'm brand amazing. new to it. It's amazing. It's all right. I'm getting there. I, I'm learning it. It's In the it's beginning, different. I hated it. I hated it because it was, it seemed so complicated. I was like, why is it that I feel like I'm having more trouble with this deck that is smaller than tarot? And smaller than most of the Oracle decks that I have, but I cannot understand what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like it was, it just didn't make sense to me until I, like I was watching YouTube videos, I was reading books. And then finally one day I did a grand tableau and then it just clicked. And I was like, oh, wait. And then I started doing uh, predictive readings with it because that's, in my opinion, Le Nomon is best used for predictions. You can use it to kind of understand a situation a little bit more, but I prefer it for predictions because it's so freaking accurate. If you connect with your Lenormand deck and you know what it's talking about, it is super accurate and it's an incredible form of divination. Um, I have seen more people using it, which is really encouraging, but it is a lesser known form of cardomancy that I think bears a mention and I it's just, it's 200 years old from the heart it of is. Europe it, it, it does have 36 cards um and you know it was very popular in France and Germany for a very long time and it like they tend to be more simple straightforward imagery where they deal with tangible issues mm -hmm. and I do think that the, you, you know, like the, the, I think it was called, they were originally called the game of hope. It was kind of like a parlor game. Is this similar to tarot in that way? But the images yeah. on the cards yeah. proved to be more suitable for esoteric stuff. So it kind of like dipped into esotericism and occultism in that way. And when Madame uh, Lenormand died, her name was placed on the back of the, of the cards that was made after the one that she used and kickstarted the trend to prove that occult circles of Europe would be able to use this form of divination. And the popularity spread like across the continent and especially in English speaking world. 
and it was a glance into a you know the dawn of the 21st century into a different form of cartomancy and gave another way to kind of look into our mind and plot out possible courses and actions that you can take so that sort of prediction divinatory use is pretty on par for for what it can help with i think for me the, the difficulty that i have with it is that it's it, it's not that the universal symbols are an issue for me it's just that it's it's different enough that i'm learning it's it's not something that having read tarot and having read oracle and being comfortable with both it's not something that you can overlay on top of le normand and be able to read it perfectly the first try like you really do have to kind of work at it yeah Um, oh yeah so I look forward to probably being good at it (laughs) yeah it (laughs) took me it took me probably about like two or three months Mm -hmm. of consistently using it to get it and I was like well how hard can it be it's a tiny deck but I was I greatly (laughs) overestimated it seems simpler than it is for some people obviously they're just going to pick it up like that but like for me it took me about two or three months of consistently using it and forcing myself to use it like with friends and on live streams like I would put Mm -hmm. myself under pressure and that was terrifying but I I learned it really well I I do find that um, looking at emotions through it is a lot harder Mm -hmm. than that, Mm -hmm. like doing it through tarot. Tarot Mm -hmm. really allows you to look at things from a deeper point of view in that sense. Like I know earlier I said tarot isn't a, a great one for me, like for emotions. I like to have an oracle card like as overall energies in a tarot reading just to kind of give an overall like big point, picture point of view uh, or like undercurrent energies. But in comparison to Lenormand, it's like having really, really dry humor and like, <laughs> like just dry humor. Like <laughs> Lenormand is just straight to the point. Like, it's just like, yeah, you're going to have a car accident. <laughs> and you're like, okay, can you tell me more? And it's like, hope your car insurance is up to date. <laughs> yeah. Like, make sure you're driving <laughs> careful, bitch. Like, I, it's so it's good straightforward. Luck. And, and tarot is like, this is what's going to lead up to it. And you're going to have like, you know, this mo- emotional buildup. And then all of a sudden it's going to be a car wreck. Like there's none of that in Lenormand. It's just like car wreck. <laughs> But like, so true, like, man. It's it's just like, or like you'll get the scythe and the heart, and it's like heart surgery. Like it's just, it's just so straight get ready to forward. bleed, motherfucker. Yeah, but like there are so many weird meanings too. Like it is a great one to use to get your intuition going because it does have very straightforward meanings. But if you look up the classic meanings of Lenoman, it's so weird sometimes. Like I had a, a, a session the other day that I did that had the dog card coming through with the child card over it. So I was like, okay, well, I like to look at the classic meanings in addition to what I'm getting intuitively. And I was like, okay, well, the classic meanings are a little girl with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, great, this helps me so much. <laughs> Like, I was like, come on now. Like, how am I supposed to use this in a reading? Like, they're like, oh, um, should I date this person? And they're like, here's a little girl with a dog. Like, <laughs> what 
chat. And it's it's such it's honestly like a funny experience because I love that. It just you have to be able to just decipher it in the context of what it is. And that's kind of what you have to do with tarot too. Yeah. But yeah. like with the Noman, they're just like, good fucking luck. Here's the info. <laughs> Run with it. Like <laughs> Yeah, man, dude, like I I I haven't clicked with it like right away the way I did with tarot and oracle but i really fucking jive with that kind of approach because that, that's so on point with one of the deities that i work with one of my patron deities very straightforward very dry yep. humor so yep. i'm, I'm kind of here for it like <laughs> it's just yes. perfect well so, and it's it's great practice. because it it really makes you get in touch with it makes you use your intuition mm -hmm. like yeah, exactly. and that's what i love yeah. about it is that with tarot you can kind of optionally use your intuition. I would Dude, say that I can't you can not. actually, I can't like, not, I, I can't not. I have seen people utilize tarot who are like, I'm not intuitive. I'm not a practitioner. I'm not a witch or anything, but I read tarot and they read it really well, but they are yeah. not intuitively connected to the deck. Mm -hmm. And so it is possible to do, and that's possible with Oracle as well. But with Lenoman, like, <laughs> well, what do I do with my love life? Little girl and a dog. Okay, next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like just. Could you like, imagine or, you pay for a reading and you're like, yeah. I don't know what to do with my love life? Can you please help? And it's just like little girl with a dog. Okay, next. Little girl with the dog, <laughs> and then you, you have the ship and the scythe. So like a sh a trip is going to be cut short. Good luck. Okay. I just, and it, the funny thing is that it can be that literal. Like you might have someone just like give a little girl a dog in front of you. Like you just don't know. But or that's how you meet her or right, him. Right. Is they, is they have a little girl and a dog or right, like right. who the fuck knows, right? Like you, that's where yeah. that intuition, like you said, is really important mm -hmm. to place context because otherwise it's just so a little snippet. Important. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so. it really is. And that's kind of how, um, now that I think about it, it's kind of how runes are too. Mm -hmm. Runes are very True. literal. They're very like, this is what it means. And then you just have to kind of decipher it yourself. Yeah. But it's it's a really beautiful form of cardomancy. Um, and the one reason why I like it so much is that you can use playing cards for cardamancy. Um, there are people who utilize a regular playing card deck for tarot and, so uh, tarot is, I, honestly, I don't know how people do that. I, I don't really know either, don't. dude. Because I've tried. It's hard as fuck. Yeah. A playing card deck only has what, 36, 34 cards, something like that. And when you compare that to the 78 cards that are in tarot, how how do you make that work? It's not even twice. Like, it's not even the a double, right? To where, like, each card represents, like, one. It's just complicated. So my brain does not understand how that works. But the cool thing with playing cards is that Lenomon is the same amount of cards that a playing card deck does have. Mm -hmm. So you can easily use a playing card deck 
for Lenormand. And the Bluebird Lenormand, which I have, it comes both in French and in, in English, and I believe other other languages as well. It it has the playing cards referenced on each card. So you can be like, oh, okay, the, the six of hearts, you know, equals this card. And so it makes it really cool because you can use a regular playing card deck to understand Lenormand, which is nice. So that's, that's convenient because then you can just kind of do cardamancy wherever. But honestly, if you are one of those people that can read tarot through a playing card deck, kudos. I What's do your not superpower? Know. Honestly, seriously, like that should be a form of clear ability because <laughs> I just, <laughs> that blows <laughs> my mind. I oh my don't God, know. How it's a wild that. dude. It's a wild. It takes I, a different I keep kind a- of brain than mine. Oh, dude, yeah. I keep a, a deck of regular playing cards like by the kitchen table and every once in a while I'll be brave and be like, I could give this a go. And then I'm I immediately like, nope, no, I walk away. No, we're fucking, we're done. We're done. That's it. We're done. I'll, I'll play poker instead. I'm going to teach you Lenoma when you come out here, though. I'm going okay, we'll to go over it with you. I, I shall and help. Done. I will I practice readings on random people, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll go I for help. a walk. We'll go for a walk downtown Phoenix. And I'll just be like, you want to read it? Yeah. Oh my God. We'll so TikTok my, like... like just TikTok. <laughs> Girl and a dog. Yeah. <laughs> a great TikTok mice. video. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm amazing. so down for that. Oh, like, I don't care, dude. I will do it. I do not care. <laughs> but yeah. So I think that's, I think that's all of the divination methods. All the ones this, that we were going to cover, but there's more yeah. out there. I mean, oh, listen, there's if there's so anything many. if there's anything that you've probably learned from this episode is that divination is you can do it with just about anything. Like Literally there's anything. there's really not a whole lot of limits on divination. If if you can think of divining with something, you could probably make it work in some way. There's so many more out there than what we've covered in our episode, but we we thought we'd give you kind of a different array of some of the the ones that have come from ancient practices that maybe you know used to be very popular. Some others that may be a little bit more obscure, and then of course covering some of the more popular ones that we know today and there's something that interests you go learn about it give it a try i but, but as a follow-up just so as a by the by for folks who are listening to this last end of the clip on cartomancy thanks to mercury retrograde we had to oh re-record God. this oh, um, that's why we sound so tired because that's mercury why we're retrograde literally just ended <laughs> <laughs> and what happened yeah. was i was editing the episode and the audio literally was like four and a half hours long i think Mm-hmm. And I downloaded it like normal. Everything seemed fine. And I edited it all the way through. And then all of a sudden, right before we started getting into cardamancy, it just stopped. Yeah. Like there was stopped. no more audio. There was nothing. And I was like, what? I literally <laughs> sat at my computer and I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going <laughs> to cry. I was. I was so down at that point. I was just like such just a Mercury this, retrograde just thing. Just like a sort of wrench in everything it you're doing every day. Oh my gosh. This Mercury and retrograde so, was killer. Oh, it's the worst. But, so the reason why yeah. I'm letting you know is because earlier in the episode we talk about Billomancy and I got really excited. And that was uh, you know, yes. divination by arrow, which I have now done. Yes. It was awesome. It was so cool, dude. It was <laughs> so I uh, so what I did was I assigned 
so I, I use my deities as the, the divination method, but you could do whatever the hell you want. So I have my three arrows. I assigned one of my three patron deities to each arrow and I did my round of, of shots at the target. And depending on where it landed, like on either side of the target meant that they either wanted an offering or they wanted to talk to me. So vast majority of them landed in the target and two landed outside of the target. And those two arrows that landed outside the target were assigned to Leviathan and Apollon. So Artemis was basically like, yeah, bitch, you're good. All is good. Like, I don't need nothing from you. It's <laughs> all good. Fine. <laughs> A plus plus, like gold star. You're fucking good. Like, go live your life. And then the other two were like, mm, we need to have a chat. So, <laughs> so that's, we <laughs> need to talk. Okay. So basically that's how I did it. And, uh, it, it was fantastic. So I did, I checked in with them. We had a chat. They told me what they needed to tell me. And it was a great form of divination and one that I'm going to incorporate in my archery moving forward. So if there is a form of divination that we've talked about in this podcast or one that we haven't, and you are interested, I just give it a try. You never know. You might find something that really resonates with you. Yeah, try it. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't have to take up archery, but like try it. Like <laughs> just um, do it. Yes, take up archery. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just take up archery. Ever. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> if any of y'all really want to talk archery, archery hit me up. Hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And until next time, stay curious. Keep learning. Thanks for tuning in. We love you. We appreciate all of your support. And Thank if you're you. interested in hitting us up for some readings or some bookings, check out our links in the description. And we'd love to hear some feedback from you on our socials or Discord or wherever you reach out. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok and email. Like, don't be afraid to be like, hey, I want to hear this subject on your podcast. We do take um, note. We really do. Yeah, we we do. I have such a long list of topics mm-hmm. that we want to go over and we always add topics and we have also started doing polls yeah. for different topics that we're going to be covering during the month. So if you are wanting to be giving your input on what you want to be hearing next on the podcast, go over to our Instagrams where we usually do the polls and check out our stories. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope that this was a helpful episode and gave you some new ideas on what kind of divination practices to check out and utilize, or maybe even give you more insight on ones that you already use. But regardless, uh, stay safe and get some sleep, get some sleep. It's fuck to sleep. I'm, I promise you, you're not sleeping enough. If you're sleeping all day, you're not sleeping enough. <laughs> the world needs more so now. True. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Okay. So now that we've finished the episode, this is the bloopers. Maybe it's silly. Maybe it's just not something you're into. So if you're not into bloopers, you might not like this, but I just needed to share this because this is genuinely what it is like working with Alyssa and this is why she is a co-host of mine (laughs) so enjoy so the other type of divination there is is chirography I don't know if it's chirognobby or chirognobby this is easy chirognobby 
Yeah. Chirognomy. Chirognomy. Yeah, I bet it's that. Chirognomy. We'll use that one. (laughs) So there's another form. (laughs) Sorry. I'll shut up. (laughs) So sorry. You're just in the background. (laughs) Chirognomy. Like, yeah, it's say fine. it over and over again. It's fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm not fucking dying. I'm sweaty. Oh, no. I'm sweaty. We already showered, Alyssa. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. My hands are sweaty. Okay, I'm quiet. I'm done. I'm not. <laughs> Chirognomy. Okay. Chirognomy. <laughs> <laughs> So another form of uh, divination is chirognomy. to the very end oh my god dude i was fucking trying so hard i was i was trying so hard to hold my life together and i just fucking lost it (laughs) 
like trying to be serious about it that soon was just I wasn't ready. Smart. Dude, I was fucking done. As soon as you let loose, I'm like, okay, here we go. (laughs) I have I have to keep that in. I have to. It's non-negotiable. 